is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, March 31st, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still celebrating the launch of the MyPillow version 2.0. If that's not your bag... Pick up a pair of the Airlandells, the My Slippers, My Dog Bed, and Giza Dream Everything when you enter promo code Steak at checkout. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. Enter promo code Steak here. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash Steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash Steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, wondering how many indictments are coming down the pike, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 226. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. Alan Jacoby's going to be joining us in just a minute. Guys, pack lineup today, Raheem Kassam, Cash Patel, Brian Lee, Brendan Dilley, and Congressman Mike Collins. Is it the day that changed America? We're going to talk about it and get right into it. But before we hit any of our guests, let's jump right into the news. All right, getting this big Friday edition of the show started. This is Steak for Records podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. As promised, joining us for co-hosting duties today, he's the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company, host of the Great Divide podcast, Alan Jacoby. Thanks for joining us on the show. What's happening, guys? Oh, well, nothing apparently. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> the slow news day. Today, slow. the first new day in the different America, apparently, is where we're at. Um, we saw yesterday that the indictment came down from the Soros-backed, corrupt New York District Attorney out of the Manhattan Field Office. 34 Asshole. charges, unspecified so far, um, and kind of sp- sent the news cycle onto its ear. We really can't predict where this is going to go and what kind of a new precedent we'll see moving forward, but we can surely confirm that there is a new precedent that's been set, period. 
Alan, what do you think seeing everything go down, the meltdowns, the commitments or recommitments to being aligned with the 45th president, the people who have been silent, and obviously the left? Yeah, I, at first I wasn't surprised, obviously. Uh, we knew it was coming, just a matter of when. I should say I was surprised it came out yesterday. I, I was expecting maybe uh, they were going to break for that month, but whatever. Listen, I am so energized about this. This is going, this is propelling the 45th president, Donald Trump, to new levels. I mean, I, I truly believe when we look at the polls in the next few days, and Ron, you're always looking at the polls, we're going to see a dramatic increase. As far as where people are drawing lines in the sand, you have your Republican elected officials out there who are defending the 45th president, like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, sure. others. Then you have the people who are saying nothing, who should be held accountable. They're garbage, and that includes Republican attorney generals all over the country, elected lawmakers, especially those elected lawmakers that Trump has endorsed. You had Ron DeSantis, who I don't hate, who made a statement I can respect. However, he didn't mention Donald Trump. He made a safe statement. Jenna Ellis said was praising his statement. We know how I feel about her. He made a safe statement. And if, if, if they can do it to Donald Trump, they could do it to anybody. They could do it to me. They could do it to you. It's unbelievable. But uh, I'm hoping that Donald Trump is going to send out autographed mugshots and make shirts out of it and make mugs out of it. This is what this is what we need. We need to stand behind, not just because it's Donald Trump and you know, they, they, they want to call us cult members. No, this is something that has never happened before. And it's trumped up charges, dare I say. Mm. We know that the federal prosecutors wouldn't touch it. The statute of limitations had run out on this ridiculous misdemeanor that now they're going to make into felonies. Are they making it 30 felonies? It's wild. It's wild. It is. You're talking about the big three there, Alan. This is a, a case that is premised. It's based on false legal theories, pretty much. And, and you've talked about, you know, you just mentioned it, the statute of limitations, uh, elevating a you know completely dead misdemeanor to the level of a felony, and then... Uh, the prosecutional misconduct that, that has gone on with this, we know Alan Bragg withheld documents from the grand jury. We also know that, uh, you know, former uh, Trump aide, convicted felon, and self-perjurer Michael Cohen uh, testified, I believe, 22 times before the grand jury and, and, mm. and gave them, you know, disposition. And he did not say he had waived his attorney-client privileges. His former attorney actually came in and said that afterwards and kind of just have brought us to this pinnacle right now. Tucky weighed in on it last night to kick off his show as it was breaking news during that hour. Let's hear him. A Fox News alert. American politics was thrown into complete chaos, perhaps permanently about three hours ago, when a grand jury in Manhattan, one of the most liberal cities in America, a place where 80 percent voted for Joe Biden in the last election, decided to indict Biden's political opponent in the upcoming election, the Republican frontrunner, a man who leads by 30 points in polls, Donald Trump. And the jury did this at the urging of a man called Alvin Bragg. He's the Manhattan District Attorney who has been famous so far by making the city much more dangerous by refusing to enforce laws against crimes like robbery and rape. Now, we don't know at this hour what the indictment says. We don't know specifically what the charges are. But previous news reports suggest they will emanate from an alleged payment seven years ago, a payment that federal regulators said violated no law, but that Alvin Bragg apparently believes is a crime. 
Either way, the net result is Donald Trump is the first former president of the United States ever to be indicted. So no matter what happens next, we can be certain there is no coming back from this moment. There could be retaliation from red states. The governor of Florida has already said Ron DeSantis has already issued a statement saying that he will not participate in any extradition of Donald Trump to New York. That's apparently scheduled for next week. As you can probably tell, we're not certain of the full outlines of the story, but we know this moment is a historic one. And, uh, you know, we can confirm now, it looks like the Trump team has, has put out that sometime next Tuesday afternoon is when Donald Trump will be uh, arriving in New York and heading over to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. I've also been able to soft confirm that the Secret Service has ruled out the usage of handcuffs, but just based off of the fact of where the press is going to be able to set up and how big of a moment in, in you know U.S. history this is going to be, we're all but assured we are going to see some kind of a perp walk, mm -hmm. which is just an absolutely disgusting way to, you know, people are saying former president. This is the last president that was in office. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've seen all the stuff go down with Joe Biden and the two-tier justice system, the, the legal hypocrisy they've used on him and his billions of sheets of classified documents that he was able to get out of Washington, D.C. and just scatter yeah. all throughout, you know, the tri-state area and Delaware. And you had Donald Trump's house raided right before the midterms elections. It was absolutely disgusting use of uh, federal law enforcement. And, and, and here we are. Yeah, and, you know, what Alan said, they're going to do it to him. And it's just lining up, it's setting up the pins for them to be able to just lob the ball down the down the lane at us. Sure, anybody. I mean, are, are they looking into Hunter Biden's art dealer uh, dealings in, in New York and no, where that money's going and finances there? Of course not. No. Of course not. And this is, again, just political persecution because I say this all the time. I've been saying it for years. Democrats will never, because they can never, run on policy. They can only play lawfare and go out to seek and destroy their opponents, political opponents, out of pure terror because they're always terrified of them and desperate. So they will do anything and everything. And this is like, is it the final fight? Maybe not the final fight. And I would imagine if it, if it was up to Donald Trump, he'd have the news media right there as he's getting fingerprinted and yeah. photoed. He wants everyone to see it. And everybody should because, again, it'll break. Wait till Tuesday, gentlemen, when it breaks the media again. New York City Police Department has ordered in every single police officer, a, a, a total call in of 36,000 plus police officers to be in uniform that day because they want to they want to push the issue in New York City that there's going to be an unrest. There's going to be an uprising. You'll probably have your false flag event happen somewhere. You'll you'll have you'll have some plant try to do something with a MAGA hat on. Mm -hmm. But this is. This is going to be uh, something, and I, I'm imagining that Trump's legal team only has so much control over Trump himself. <laughs> he's ungovernable, and he's going to want to take the bull by the horns and take this as far as it can go. Like, Roan, we mentioned earlier on the phone, the appellate court and maybe mm -hmm. eventually the Supreme Court, if in fact it actually does go to trial. But maybe before trial, there's going to come out where, again— the prosec uh, uh, prosecution, the, the misconduct of, of Bragg and everything else, and this may just blow up in their face uh, twofold. It's going to energize the base. It's energizing people that really aren't Trump uh, fans who I'm talking to saying, this is unbelievable. They said they said this was not a crime. 
who are now leaning towards supporting Donald Trump. I'm finding that a lot the last 24 hours. Even family members who are complete Trump haters and liberals. They're family like, members this is kind of mine. bullshit. And yeah, this is kind of bullshit. Like, I want to look more into this. I, I they're, they, How do they do this to an American citizen? Take, It's wild. It really is. Well, and, and, you know, speaking of doing things to American citizens, didn't Obama kill an American citizen with an accidental drone strike? At a, civil, a civilian though. restaurant somewhere. Yeah, you know, no big deal. No, but with all the stuff that's going on, like this is on the surface and visible, but in the shadows, they're doing all the other stuff. I mean, I don't know if we're, if we're touching on the Restrict Act at all today or not, or if that's even on our list of things to do. Push to Tuesday. Push to Tuesday. <laughs> I just did a whole show on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, but TikTok, just the stuff but... The stuff that's in that is is, yeah, there's the stuff for TikTok, but then... You know, well, there's, there's so scary. much confusion between the two bills that are going out that are both aimed at taking out TikTok. I think a lot of people kind of well, they're aimed at taking taking us out as as well. Exactly, yeah. but a lot of people got yes. off the beaten path on it, and this kind of engulfed the news cycle. I mean, we had some huge committees with some of the highest ranking officials in our government going on that we're going to track a little bit later with the show. We're going to get Cash mm-hmm. Patel on the phone in just a minute. Alan mentioned. Uh, President Trump's legal team just a minute ago. I saw Lena Habba jumped on with Tucker Carlson last night. Let's hear her. But you could kind of see, and clearly you would counsel him if he asked you to participate in this, but you could see us approaching a kind of postmodern moment where the system becomes so politicized and illegitimate and ridiculous that some people decide I'm not playing along with this. Why would I participate in my own illegitimate humiliation? Can you sort of see that impulse? I don't think so. I think he should deal with it. My advice to him would be that would be go in, uh, face them and make them look you in the eye and make them look the American people in the eye. And you know what? You wanted drama. That's what you're going to get because they're going to win. There is no crime here and they're going to win. And D.A. Alvin Bragg will go down as the worst D.A. in history. And he's going to get his place in American history and it's not going to be a good one. Um, I think, you know, my advice to him, Tucker, would be to go in, face them however which way they want. If they want a production, that's on them. I think they've already done that, frankly. And um, you know how it goes. We'll hear leaks just like we did with that Georgia 4 woman that came out and wanted her moment on MSNBC. We'll see what happens. You know, she makes a good point there because, listen, Donald Trump shook the shit out of Vladimir Putin when they had their first ever handshake. He went and slapped Xi Jinping on the back when he visited China. He literally pushed a prime minister out of the way to get to the front of a photo opportunity. And do you think that these like low-level, crappy Manhattan <laughs> District Attorney office interns that are going to be shaking and sweating while they're rolling his fingers, yeah. like you think that's going to bother him? That was a really bad talking point from Tucker Carlson talking about you know how bad does it look for him to participate in his own self humiliation? <laughs> like Donald Trump doesn't give a shit. Listen, no. Part of me feels like he's going to be autographing shit by the time he leaves that New York district attorney's office. 100%. The guy walked into North Korea like he owned the place. Yeah. Okay. He, call, he called he him stepped, fat to his face. <laughs> he stepped into North Korea like he owned the place. And if I was Donald Trump, I would insist on the perp walk and I would insist on being handcuffed. I would insist on showing the American people this is how your justice system operates and 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 not because I'm Donald Trump. No, I I, I should have handcuffs on because yeah. that will just show that he is playing the game. You you indicted me. I'm here to surrender. 
Where's my mugshot? Where's my fingerprints? Where are the handcuffs? Yeah, I want the due process that you're planning on giving all the Americans who are going to be in, in in the line of fire here once I'm finally out of the way. I yes. saw I saw a Missouri Senator Josh Hawley jumped on with Jesse Waters yesterday talking about the indictment. Let's hear him. Well, I think what this is about is nothing to do with the rule of law, Jesse. Obviously, this is about power. It is a demonstration of raw power. I think the Democrats know this has nothing to do with the law. They're sending a message, and the message is they will use any power that they have to interfere in the next presidential election. They will not willingly allow Donald Trump to run for president. They will not willingly lose the next election. They're going to use every means at their disposal. And Jesse, these are the same people who have sent SWAT teams to pro-life activists who use the FBI against parents at school board meetings. They will do anything, use any kind of power to try and hold on to their own privileges, their own positions. And we're seeing that tonight. This is just unprecedented in American history. And the only way out now is to win. I mean, uh, Senator Hawley's been a staunch advocate and supporter of the 45th president for the entirety of the time he's been in the political spectrum and, and the arena, and, and it sounds like that support is, is going to be continuing even stronger as, you know, I, I could definitely see Senator Hawley being some kind of cabinet-level position uh, as we go into the next Trump administration in 2025. So, I mean, you know, a lot of frustration uh, Donald Trump has obviously weighed in, and as we're getting ready to get Cash Patel on the phone, let's let's check out the latest that's going on from his Twitter account. I saw uh, just about an hour ago, uh, Matthew Colangelo left the DOJ in Washington D.C. to work with Bragg in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to all caps get Trump. Also, don't forget Clinton lawyer Mark Pomerantz, who left the private practice to become a DA prosecutor of the president. Donald J. Trump, only to leave during the investigative process to sell a book tainting the entire case heretofore unheard to stuff. It's not supposed to work that way. Election interference, all caps, kangaroo court. He followed that heater up with this one. The judge, air quoting, assigned to my witch hunt case that has never been charged before, all caps, hates me. His name is Juan Manuel Marchand, who was handpicked by Bragg and the prosecutors and is the same person who quoting, railroaded my 75-year-old former CFO, Alan Weiselberg, to take a plea deal, plead guilty, even if you are not, for 90 days, fight us in court, 10 years to life in jail. He strong-armed Alan, which is, a, which is what a judge is not allowed to do, and treated my companies, which didn't plead, viciously. This is appalling. So, you know, the former president's showing a lot of frustration. You have legit criminals beat somebody with an inch of their life, rob somebody at gunpoint, throw people on the subway tracks. So much stuff in and out of the district attorney's office or the jail over there in hours. You don't even finish the report. The ink's not dried, and these people are walking the streets again, committing more crimes. You know, we had uh, Alina on the show not too long ago. She's coming back on first week of April, and and she was talking about uh, Weisselberg, who is he's sitting on Rikers Island. He's a 70-something-year-old guy for, you know, exercising a loophole in the tax code for a car that he used for business purposes. And uh, meanwhile, people who are essentially killers and all thugs walk the streets, yeah. mental illness rampant, and up to 70% of the crimes that are at the prosecutionable level in New York, especially the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, go without seeing any kind of consequences. You know, we're going to uh, try to get our finger on the pulse of what's going on down at Mar-a-Lago. 
And just to keep this opening segment rolling here, what we're going to do is bring in one of our great friends now to the show. He's the former chief of staff to the Department of Defense. He uh, is a board member at True Social and now a uh, platinum recording <laughs> record recording producer, Mr. Cash Patel. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be with you. Uh, I wish we were talking about something else, but as I've been saying, it's game on now. Time to choose. You know, when are we getting our elk for breakfast, just talking about Paps Blue Ribbon and maybe a little golf? Mm-hmm. We, this has been going on like two years now. You've been coming on our show, Cash, and, and we haven't had any of that because of the crazy news cycle. Uh, well, I've got 40 pounds of elk in my freezer. When you got coming over to have Okay, that's a, that's officially an invite. We're going to yes. have to take you up on that one. And, and PBR. There's those two things are always in my fridge. If nobody ever comes over and has it with me. I always end up eating it alone and drinking a PBR alone. I, I send cash the PBR motherfuckers <laughs> gif every Monday morning, <laughs> weekly reminder. Um, cash, listen, I wish it was for, uh, you know, better instances that we have you on the show coming in here in our opening segment right now. But obviously, you know what happened yesterday, the 34 yeah. charges and, and indictment on Donald Trump by the corrupt Soros back. Yeah. <laughs> Manhattan District yeah. Attorney Alvin Bragg, uh, Bragg the Hut. Uh, came down yesterday, and, and here we are. Here's where we sit. It's it's the first day in a new America. They've taken the step, crossed the Rubicon, started the nuclear option. What's the latest you could tell us coming out of Mar-a-Lago? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any, unfortunately, insider knowledge, but I, I think the latest coming out of Mar-a-Lago is the latest coming out of the mainstream, is a response to the latest coming out of the mainstream media. I mean, if this is accurate, that is a 34-count indictment, the indictment itself, it was one count, is outrageous. 34 counts? That means they're saying Donald Trump committed 34 separate criminal acts related to whatever they charged him with. If they thought that indictment was going to pass the public test of appropriate judicial process, they are certainly sorely mistaken. It's going to be 34 times where Donald Trump turns around and hammers them on a two-tier system of justice and not only exposes them for their one-time fraud, but their 30-time over-fraud. And I don't know where he's coming up with these crimes, saying it happened 34 separate times, but there's going to be this case is going to be the most watched case in U.S. history. Now we're hearing that uh, the Trump team is looking to, you know, get the whole thing dismissed. Just from someone that has a legal background like yours, you know, you you were a defender, you were a prosecutor, you worked in the federal justice system as well, Cash. Mm-hmm. What are we looking at here once this gets into the courtroom and starts volleying back and forth now after, you know, it's being reported that Donald Trump will report to the district attorney's office in Manhattan as early as next Tuesday? Yeah, look, it's a step process. And let's just remind people, state court systems move much slower than federal court, which moves slower than it is. And so you're talking about a criminal case in the state of New York whose average time to trial is, you know, going around two years. This case is not going to end anytime soon, and I bet Donald Trump's attorneys are going to vigorously litigate every action taken by Alvin Bragg every step of the way. And so we'll get to a motion to dismiss, but what I'd like to see is a flurry of motions pre-trial challenging the veracity of Bragg's presentation of evidence to the grand jury to see if any appropriate or inappropriate conduct, I should say, was taken, unlawful actions, evidence was withheld. Then let's go ahead and have the judge censor Alvin Bragg and his prosecutors for prosecutorial overreach and misconduct. And once we get, once we exact every piece of information we can for the American public to digest to show why there's a two-tier system of justice and why the Soros-funded prosecutor um, should never, ever be in a court of law again, 
then we can get to the motion to dismiss to finally jettison this case. But I live in a reality that doesn't exist um, uh, the, 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 in terms of the judicial system. There's no judge in the state of New York who's going to side with the law on this one because they are as corrupted and biased as Alvin Bragg was to bring the case in the first place. And of course, no jury in the state of New York, like D.C., is going to side with Donald Trump, even though the facts and the law are on his side. What do you think? They, so what do you we're going to have to him? get our victory from the appellate court. What's that? What do you think they offered him to do it? Like, I mean, it's it's either going to be a career ender or, I mean, it's not going to be a career maker. Uh, well, look, I mean, Soros gave him a million bucks. He's probably going to give him 50 million more now. It's not like that guy's ever going to need money again. Yeah, he wants the high-speed lane, you know, the HOV lane on the highway to either Gracie Mansion in New York City or the governor's office in Albany. Yeah, that's what these guys always want. They don't want to stay the district attorney. Long gone are the days of Morgan Thau, who is an apolitical top cop in New York City where I grew up um, and prosecuted crimes based on fact and law. This guy is worse than Bob Mueller yep. and Andy Weissman combined. And, and that's coming from the guy who, you know, basically spiderwebbed out the entire network of government gangsters up there on Capitol Hill. That's saying a lot, Cash. So last yeah. thing I wanted to ask you, actually, second to last thing, does it surprise you, having known Donald Trump for so long, having worked underneath him and becoming great friends with him, that after this indictment came down yesterday, he hosted a large event at Mar-a-Lago and then proceeded into the wee hours of the morning. He made calls to friends and people up on Capitol Hill and did conference calls with congressmen, reassuring him that this does not phase him. He is in this fight for the long haul, and all this does is help galvanize our base. Not surprising in the least. Donald Trump is the juggernaut for the uh, America First movement. He is every X-Men figure you can imagine combined <laughs> into one human being. Um, if you want to call him Super X or whatever, we can come up with a name. I mean, this guy makes Hulk look like Mickey Mouse. Oof. And the fact that he was up all night taking calls, calling people, this shows you the resolve of a man who has been mercilessly attacked, baselessly attacked, over and over again, from Russiagate to Ukraine impeachment to Bob Mueller to impeachment one and two, uh, to Jan Six, to the Docs case, and now Alvin Bragg in the state of New York. He will never relent. And that's just the amount of calls he did in, what, an eight-hour period? Yep. That's more work than any Democrat does in a year. And with more work than most other Republican candidates will ever exude on the campaign trail for the 2024 nomination, which is why we just saw in a microcosm what Donald Trump's going to bring to the forefront over these next uh, 18 months as we run into 2024. And America's going to see not just his energy and vigor, but the fact that he's standing up for the values that we care about. America first, securing our border, protecting our citizens, taking care of our military and our vets, educating our children in history um, and English, <clears throat> and not subscribing to the radical left-wing agenda. And most importantly, he's going to take this, as he has done so brilliantly, and expose the two-tier system of justice now that we have seen in the federal courts, has now trickled down to the state court system. Yep. It's no longer a crazy right-wing radical talking point. It is everyday America. And the state attorney generals and district attorneys who wear an R on their sleeve around this country better start investigating the George Soros running money pipelines, the BLM corruption, and every other state crime that they have overlooked or been too lazy to go after. The game and gauntlet have been thrown down and our team better respond 
or they will be left behind. We don't have time for these half measures and people who want to be the next governor or this or that. We need prosecutors to step up to the plate. And I don't know if it's going to be in places like Missouri or Louisiana first, but if it's not them, I'm going to call them out by name. You have to at this point, which leads me to my last thing, Cash. Real quick before we let you go, we saw you talk about the MAGA pack on True Social over the course of the last, you know, 24 hours. You want to let our listenership know, as as this is a rallying moment to really circle the wagons and, and, and a galvanizing moment for the base here and Donald Trump and everybody moving forward into this presidential election season, what what you consider would be the MAGA pack? You're either in or you're out. America first and Donald J. Trump. That's it. No more of these politicians who Donald Trump endorsed in the past and led them to victory um, and, and to higher office, or they were uh, too inept to lead themselves to victory. No more it's waiting on the sidelines. I'm tired of it. I don't want anyone around who's going to say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to endorse Donald J. Trump. If that's your answer, you're out. And you're not in the MAGA pack. And I'm making a list. And I assure you this, as long as I'm in Donald Trump's universe, no one who fails to support Donald Trump is going to be anywhere near the 2024 candidacy of Donald J. Trump when he's the president of the United States. We need America first warriors um, all day, every day from now until November 2024, and certainly when he hits the Oval Office in January of 2025. And if you do not come out with a full-fledged support of Donald J. Trump, then you are out and you have made your decision. And if you're quiet about it, you're also out, and you've made your decision, and you are not in the MAGA pack. That's it. Silence might as well be, you know, your, your sentence to uh, being outside of the circle of trust, which, Cash, we're very thankful that we're in yours. Anytime you could take time out of your busy schedule to come down here and, and share with our listenership everything that's going on with you and, and, and with the Trump campaign, we're going to live link, obviously, the foundation in the show description today, but where can we find you on True Social? At Cash, at K-A-S-H, I think I might have a busy day today, as is everybody else. And your guys' show is one of the best. It's rocketing through Truth Social, and we need more of that. And listen, here's the thing. Other people who you go out there and they're like, oh, I don't want to go out else for breakfast. Well, you know what? They're out, too. Because if they can't figure out that that's an America First show, then I don't want to talk to them either. I don't have time to have half friends. I either have allies, and we got to support Donald J. Trump now, or you are just out. You heard that. <laughs> Breaking news right here on Steak for Breakfast. If you don't want the elk, if you don't you're come out. on Steak for Breakfast, you're out. You're out. I like it. I'm going to start sending cash my list. This is the former chief of staff to the DOD and one of our great friends, platinum music producer, Mr. Cash Patel. Thanks for joining us on the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has not shown any wavering in his support for President Trump. No gray area comments or you know posts on social media throughout the course of this i saw he tweeted last night right the height of when the news cycle was a spinning alvin bragg has irreparably damaged our country in an attempt to interfere in our presidential election that's a direct trump talking point right there as he routinely frees violent criminals to terrorize the public he weaponized our sacred system of justice against president donald trump the american people will not tolerate this injustice and the house of representatives will hold alan bragg and his unprecedented abuse of power to account. So I like that. That's that's kind of, uh, it goes down the road. I had a conversation with Raheem Kassam about this yesterday. We were talking about a whole bunch of different things. I think my biggest takeaway from talking with him yesterday was our 
concern that there's a lot of the country who's still asleep at the wheel politically. Like they see all this stuff. They know there's good guys and bad guys. They know certain people don't like each other and others get along. Uh, They know there's people that like, you know, some politicians make fun of and rag on and it's everybody's easy to make fun of Joe Biden and stuff like that. I mean, there was a fucking national tragedy on Monday this week and the guy comes down to talk about ice cream and sniffing kids. Literally. That was weird. Yeah, it was. I don't know how anybody can look at that and not be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Blinders on these people, though. I know the people you, you're talking about, Ron, and I know so many of them that just are not dialed in politically. And it's not like you have to be di- completely dialed in like what we do all the time every day, and, you know, but just know what's going on. Well, and no, so you many, mentioned so many people don't. You'll mention just like a snippet of just the most basic of what's going on in the world in like a, a conversation with like a group of like five or six people. And there'll be one or two people that literally have no idea what you're talking about. And yeah, you're like, right. how do you not know anything about this? Like, you I'll don't t- even know I'll what's tell happening. you, though, what I, what I get a lot lately, though, is my in my circles, um, that they, they know, you know, I'm, I'm politically, you know, wired in doing podcasts and things like that. So they'll always come to me and ask me questions and I'll explain it to them in the most simplest terms possible. And I do notice that people ask more and more questions now and they they seem to be waking up and as it's explained to them it's oh i haven't i haven't looked at it like that or i didn't know that or who's that person explain to me who this person is i think more people are asking questions still there are a lot of people that aren't that are just hey, wake up every day go to work work my three jobs so i could barely pay my mortgage and i don't really care what goes on i mean i have family members who own businesses that don't vote like, right. what do you mean you don't vote? You own businesses. Well, You're talking about people that are making policy that's affecting your bottom line. What are you doing? Alan, I don't know if you saw Tucker last night, but J- Jason Whitlock was on there. He's a pretty large voice in, in, in you know, especially in like the whole boomer uh, portion of the conservative apparatus. And, you know, <laughs> he, he admitted to Tucker Carlson last night that he has never voted before, ever. And, you know, he's supposed to be one of the guiding lights in this fight that we're in. And, and he says that he never, ever voted before in his life. But after yesterday, he's full MAGA, all in, sees what's happening, doesn't want his kids to have to live in a world like this. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that. But it's going to be the people who, who actually were at the tip of the spear here. Obviously, Donald Trump's at the very point and all the people that are behind him preventing this from, you know, absolutely going off the rails and all of our houses getting raided. That should be remembered throughout the course of history uh, as whether or not our fight's strong enough to save this country. You know, uh, it's something that we're going to try and touch on with uh, the editor-in-chief of the National Polls in just a minute. But uh, I saw Glenn Beck was on Tucker Carlson last night. He actually had a pretty good lineup and a lot of the content that went through there, besides that one shit remark he made to Alina Habit was good. Glenn Beck's having a come-to-Jesus uh, moment, and, and he actually had one on the show last night. Let's hear it. Are the Republicans? Where are the decent Democrats that can see this is this is insanity? B- Donald Trump. The reason why this is going to um, help Donald Trump, and that's why I don't think they're doing it so he can't run. They're doing it because they want people to strike out. Please turn to God, repent, pray for our country, pray for peace, put on the full armor of God. But here's what's really what they miss. Donald Trump is not even a person anymore. He is a symbol He is a symbol of the average everyday guy that keeps getting screwed every single time. Watches other people 
screw up big banks, screw up their companies and get away with it. They see people all the time doing stuff that they know if they did, they'd be in prison for 20 years. But because they're not part of the elite, they get away with it. Donald Trump has taken arrow after arrow, and that's why this is the way the average American feels tonight. I hope that there's a few Democrats out there, but this guy has been taking the bullets for the average person now for years. And people on the right feel like he's the only guy that really gets what the people are feeling and it's uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna end well uh, for the Democrats in the next election. It's just not. I don't know if Donald Trump is the winner or not, but I will tell you this: you're not going to stop a hundred million people. This country is in shambles, and there's going to be a hundred million people that will walk on broken glass and through fire to vote for someone other than this corrupt banana republic administration. That's, I think, exactly right. Glenn Beck, wow. I don't know who sneezed in the background of Glenn Beck's house, but, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, what can you do on live television? What was most surprising to me and for our listenership, you didn't see it, about halfway through that article when he was talking about this is what this is where we are at right now, Glenn Beck busted out a MAGA hat and put it on on Tucker Carlson awesome. last night. And for someone who's been friendly with the daily wire and has kind of bought the Ron DeSantis pre official announcement bullshit shtick on his show. It's kind of good to see these people in his case, I hope crawling back and uh, what a wild way to kick off the show. What a wild way to end the week. We've already got uh, cash Patel under our belt figuratively. This is a uh, family oriented show, even though we do drop a little colorful language, uh, but, and, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit more as we're getting ready to sit down with the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam, right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient-conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, as promised, here is the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse, one of our great friends joining us today, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure, sir. Happy Friday. Uh, it's the first day in a new America, according to a lot of major mainstream news outlets last night. Do you uh, want to let our audience know how you feel about that narrative that's being provided everywhere? Well, you know, the good news is that I, I don't often turn my television on to watch um, CNN or MSNBC anymore. Um I see it in the in the bars and the restaurants sometimes in in Washington D.C. because of course that's all they that's all they put on. But I ha- I have to tell you I, I think from the reaction I've seen in the print media, which is predominantly where you know I focus in uh, uh, as well as social media, I, I think they're being very careful about their you know what would what would have I think 
three, four years ago, been a far, far greater victory lap that they'd be, that they'd be trying to take right now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, correct me if that's not what you're seeing, at least on television, maybe on radio as well, but I think the reaction's been, been a little bit muted here, and I, and I think there's a reason for that. I do see what you're talking about. A lot of the commentators are celebrating with the people who actually are the producers of, and I'm air quoting for our listenership now, journalism seem to be walking mm. a little bit more of a finer line and using uh, cautious words when they're talking about the walls are closing in and Trump is finally finished. Um, well, let me rephrase that then. People have been calling for Donald Trump since he's been in the White House to cro mm. cross the Rubicon and do whatever it is that means if he did it. And it seems like the Cold War that's been going on here in this country for the last couple of years, especially since Donald Trump came down the golden escalator, where the federal government, the justice system, law enforcement is being weaponized against citizens of its own country, has reached a peak. It seems like they did, at some on some level, do the nuclear option yesterday. And whether or not this is a domino that rolls into Georgia, back to D.C., uh, you know, and maybe we still don't know if these D.A. offices and the federal justice department in regards to the January 6th recommendations are all corroborating behind the scenes as well. Um, and maybe that's why they decided to just run with it before they went on their month long break yesterday. What do you think when you, when you think about how this country has changed since Donald Trump entered the political arena and what potentially a road it could lead our, you know, nation down now? Oh, it's a, it's a pretty large question. Um, Hey Raheem, what do you think is going to happen to America? Um, <laughs> no big deal. I think, I think, um, as it pertains to this particular point in time, yes, it's historic, but it's also expected. Um, I think we we have a tendency to say, right, like we've we've reached a new point in our politics, and a new and and yes, like like a line has been crossed. Um, but at the same time, I, I think at least those of you who are cynical about the left and the globalists at the moment, we, we've known for some time that, that they have not just thrown some rules out of the window, right? They've been willing to throw all rules out of the window. Correct. Uh, and so why not this one, right? And why not? I was reading Jennifer Rubin's live blog on the Washington Post a second ago. In fact, I, I, I left her a trolley comment, so let's see <laughs> if she replies to it. Um, but... Um, you know, she was talking about this as well, and I, I, I just, I just think, you know, these people who have talked about the rules-based order and, and all of this stuff for so long are the ones who are so, so much more willing to to throw these rules out of the window. Um, she said, "I got to read this to you because it was just, it was just such a wonderful example of of, of their hypocrisy." Here, I'm trying to find it. Um, gosh. Here. So she's asked, hi, Jennifer, my question is about a constitutional amendment for abortion rights with all these states passing trigger laws, false exceptions and stacking the deck, even around ballot questions. Have any groups started the admittedly long process of any amendment process? Um, what do you think is the possibility of something like that passing and when would it come to fruition? And Rubin replies, with about two dozen states in some stage of banning or nearly banning abortions, that is unfortunately not feasible. Better alternatives include term limits for Supreme Court justices or expanding the court to reverse Dobbs, state referenda and state Supreme Court claims, state statutes, blah, 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 and federal abortion access statute. Now, 
Um, constitutional nerds will know that this isn't the only problem in, in what she's just said there. But um, she actually writes, term limits for Supreme Court justice or expanding the court to reverse DOPS. So she's explicitly saying that this is an issues-based constitutional vandalism that she's advocating for. And, and, and in the same breath, you know, Jennifer Rubin will tell us that Trump is the threat to the to the American norms and the American you know way of life, the American institutions. And so you have to you have to look at this thing with, unfortunately, those less than rose colored spectacles on is is, you know, and, and some people got here before and some people got here around about the raid of Mar-a-Lago. Right. But it, I think a lot of people woke up in that moment and just went, hold on a minute. You know, they're willing to send the goon squad around to to have a poke around a former president's private residence. And then, of course, you know, what, what about all of the things that we learned after the raid of Mar-a-Lago? That Joe Biden had circa 15 billion documents, you know. I, I think his, it, we found out that his, his car was, <laughs> was, was made out of docu- these documents, you know. Um, but you know what I mean? And, 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 and nothing, you know, not even, not even a scintilla of, of, of outrage or, or impropriety leveled in his direction. So, so you've got to, you've got to take it, I think, in the way that Trump takes these things, um, you know, and I, I actually got to hear him um, having a conversation uh, last night with, uh, with the congressman um, on the telephone and, and, and heard, you know, the, the defiance in his voice, but also the frustration in his voice. Sure. Um, the, the, you know, the, look at what we're talking about here. What are we talking about? 34 charges. Each check is a different charge. Um, a, a ludicrous dude. And, and again, I was watching Matt Gates on um, Laura Ingram last night and he said, um, you know, he, he talked about the medieval nature of this. Yes. And I think that's correct, right? It's antediluvian, it's medieval, and, and it's third world. He talked about the third world st- uh, part of this as well. And it's little, and it, it kind of might sound trite and even, even a bit boomer to say it, but it's true. Like, that's what they do there. This is what they do there. They lock up their political opponents on, on, on technicalities. So here we are. The question is, what do we do? Um, <laughs> the floor is yours. Well, I think it goes back to uh, it's a shame we don't have like a 24-hour news network going on here because we had a phone conversation yesterday, which is something that I think is really important for our listenership to expand out to the people in their lives that you know may not be – as wanting to get as knee deep in politics as we are, or just are politically uneducated. They go around, you know, they'd rather take pictures of their food and, and go enjoy the nightlife every once in a while, which I'm sure a lot of people do. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Absolutely not. I mean, everybody does at some (laughs) point like participate in gala season, but uh, you know, the thing is we talked about this yesterday and you specifically said there are so many people in this country who are just unaware they're asleep at the wheel. And you know, as this is essentially a uniparty grab because the people who, haven't come out on both sides of the aisle, uh, even to just weigh in on the, you know, uh, sheer velocity of the situation Mm. makes it it seem like people are going to wake up. Yes, today is a different day in America than it was yesterday based off of past practice principles. But now we move into a whole thing like when does it start affecting the other people? We've already seen parents at PTA meetings, uh, servicemen and women. They're expanding the arrests from like things like January 6th for people who may not even have even been on Capitol grounds, period, but were like mm-hmm. sympathizers of the people who went into uh, the Capitol on that day. And uh, 
how much longer does this country have before it, it's too late? It seems like we are running on a finite amount of time here, and, and when things like this vault it forward so quickly and at an uncontrollable pace, it's really worrisome. Well, yeah, but it's worrisome because because you, you, you haven't, you haven't sort of realized that you're already in that turning, right? You're not, you're not approaching it. Um, this is, this is the, the, it's the Thomas Cole paintings that, that hang at the New York historical society, right? The, the, the course of empires it's, it's, you're already in decline. You know, you've been in decline. You keep denying that you're in decline as a, as a, as a, you can, you can lie about it all you want and you can, you can have your happy hours and you can have your Super Bowl Sundays and you can do all of that if you want, if you want the distraction of it. Or, you know, there was a reason I went out to Seattle last week to, to speak with Joe Kent right. in Chehalis, actually, um, south of Seattle, um, is because there are people leaning in and they're leaning in with all of themselves, right? They're leaning in with all of their spare time, all of their spare money. They are, they are applying the brakes as hard as possible in, in every sense around them. And those are the people that are going to, they're going to do something to, to, to save all of this if, if, if you believe it's still salvageable. Um, but but here's the way you need to think about it, right? And and it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean that it has to like consume all of you. That's not what God's plan is for you. But but it's about it's about those extra moments. And if you can use those extra moments, you use them. If you can use that extra cash, you use it. If you can get to an event, you do it. If you can support a candidate, you do it. Um, if you can run, you do it. And, and and if you can raise great kids, you do it. And it's it's all of these sort of this hierarchy of things that are very important right now and then they lead into one this one thing that you need to think about yourself in this moment everybody needs to think this about themselves in this moment who are on our side and think like we do you have to know this following thing you are a dissident you are now a dissident you're a dissident in your own country you're a dissident against the regime and you are a dissident in terms of your values and your your, your cultural tra trajectory and, and it is imperative on every dissident to be as learned and as sharp and as engaged as they can possibly be. That's it. That's the whole pitch. That is the whole pitch right there, and it's something moving forward we're going to continue to develop and educate our listenership on. We do it a whole lot better when you join us, Raheem. Obviously, we're going to live link uh, your Substack and uh, the Pulse in the show description today. Anything else you want us to live link, and uh, where can we find you on social media? Oh, Raheem Kassam on everything, and um, you know, I got to say, I got the Odyssey headphones, and they're just absolutely phenomenal. So, thank you guys for for hooking me up. I mean, I mean, full, full Raheem Kassam endorsement. Oof, nice. I like that, and I'm sure the people over at Odyssey are going to love it as well. This is the editor in chief of the National Pulse. So glad he joined us on this Big Friday edition of the show, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast. Cheers, man. Have a good one. Recently, I was in El Paso with a bipartisan group of uh, senators to, that was before we got to Yuma, and we were out on a night patrol. The border patrol detained two young men who were from the, who had passports from the People's Republic of China, mainland China, controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. They were presumably released like these other individuals into the interior of the United States with either a notice to appear or notice to report. Can you tell the committee where these people are today? Can Senator. you assure us that these individuals are not in the United States? 
conduct espionage or other nefarious acts against the United States government? Can you reassure us of that? Senator, if an individual is deemed to present a threat to public safety or national security. Well, how would individual, you know? How that, would you know? They show up that, with a passport and they claim a credible fear of persecution. And then under yours and the Biden administration policies, they're released into the interior of the country. These, these are people who perhaps we don't have any records about. Certainly, we're not going to get them from China. You know zero hmm. about them. And you know zero about the threat they pose to the United States and our national security. You can't tell us, can you, where the individuals are located who have been either paroled or released into the United States. You have no, no uh, comprehensive list or ability to identify where those people are today, do you? Senator, let me, let me again repeat that we screen uh, and vet individuals. That's not my question. If, if we you're, encounter... You're quite capable of ev evading the questions we're asking or diverting us to something else that's not what we ask. Mm. Ouch. Well, our least favorite Department of Homeland Security secretary was up on Capitol Hill getting his ass grilled this well, week. What kind of vetting? What kind of vetting? Like, well, we, well we, we read the name on their passport or on the napkin that they wrote their name on. Ah, uh, well, Senator, and, uh, they uh, look like nice boys. Uh, what wristbands? I don't know anything about wristbands. Well, mm. the, the the wristbands have actually been advantageous to our. What's what's the term at the border now? Black hole. <laughs> no, the the had their new control thing. What oh. is it? Uh, operational? No. Yeah. Tac operational control. No, no. The, the, what's the what's the one after that? Mission advantage. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, the the wristbands have actually been advantageous in our mission advantage because uh, we know how valuable uh, each of the people are right? and we know what flavored juice box to give them. How much is this little boy worth? Check his yeah. wristband. Jesus. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but it's the but truth it's and it's the horrible yeah. truth. You know, if Joe Biden's going to run, I actually saw him, I ratioed the shit out of his Twitter account. He was like, listen here, folks, on a you know, Republicans want to cut Border Patrol jobs, and, and that's not going to fucking cut it if Joe Biden's going to run for president again. If there is one person I think could swing public opinion as far as Democrats who are looking to walk away goes, it's to sacrifice Alejandro Mayorkas, figuratively, of course, only via his job. Why figuratively? And get him out of that... Uh, you know, spot as the head of DHS because after hearing Chief Ortiz testify up on Capitol Hill two weeks ago and, you know, what the Senate subcommittee on, uh, you know, Homeland Security did this week, it was ugly. And uh, I, I just feel like this is one of the things it's going to continue to go under the radar while it only gets worse, especially with the Trump indictment here. And that's the thing. We have to be responsible. And, you know, we could talk about the Trump indictment for, for three, four hours and do a podcast about it, but there was other stuff going on that's pertinent to all the things that are important and factor into the equation, which is who's going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, someone that supports the 45th president, Utah Senator Mike Lee, who we don't ever play enough of on the show. We need to play him more. He goes up there with the American greatness at the end of the show. Wanted to talk about the, well, fraudulent way of, you know, people claiming asylum and how the fast pass to get in the United States has been through the process called paroling them. Let's hear him. Let's talk about uh, parole first. In one of these efforts to disguise the 
political impact, to diffuse the political impact and disguise what's actually happening, you've started to rename things and mm. rebrand them. Mm. We've talked um, about this for years. So that the numbers seem to be improving more than they actually are, but they aren't. Uh, it's come to my attention that you've created at least 13 new parole programs wow. within the Department of Homeland Security. Now, I find this odd. MS-13? Because you, you break them down <laughs> by things like country of origin. Um, but I find this odd because the statute itself, creating parole, uh, which is found in 8 U.S.C. 1182 D5A, says that the Secretary of Homeland Security, subject to certain conditions, may parole into the United States temporarily under such conditions as he may prescribe only on a case-by-case -case basis for urgent humanitarian reasons or a significant public benefit any alien applying for admission to the United States. So Congress went way out of its way to define that and to say this must be handled on a case-by-case basis. No broad grants of the, these are the kinds of people we're going to parole in. Um, now, what qualifies as an urgent humanitarian reason or a significant public benefit, in your view, seems to be anything that will appear to reduce regular immigration. This is so far afield from the definition that Congress actually authorized by statute. Yep. Uh, and far beyond what it's uh, heretofore been understood to do and what the words themselves mean, which is to provide uh, a, a way that somebody could come in in the case of, the, uh, uh, of a medical emergency uh, uh, under that uh, portion of the statutory language. Mike Lee knows what's or, up. Or, for example, someone who is coming in on the, under the public benefit prong uh, from a foreign country who's needed to testify in, in a jury trial or something like that, and then be returned. Parole wasn't intended to be broad, nor was it intended uh, to provide someone a, a, a permanent residence or uh, a residence that can become permanent within the United States. And so this is really concerning to me. Uh, when, when we see this, I wonder how you can possibly defend the legality of this. You can't. And that's the thing. Because they're not detaining anybody, because they're not separating families, because they're not doing long-term detention, which has been outlined several times by former ICE Director Tom Holman on all of his you know, appearances here on the show, this whole parole thing is just something that they've basically renamed as you come in, you say whatever, they give you a once-over, and they give you a piece of paper that says, essentially, have a nice life. And that's what Mike Lee was alluding to. Like this, Parole used to be, uh, you know, according to him here, and, and Senator Lee, please don't wake up your computer in the middle of a subcommittee hearing while we're trying to play the clip <laughs> on the show. When you can't remember the entirety of the U.S. code you're trying to cite. Uh, pointed out that, let's just say... Uh, there's some kind of a medical emergency or something that would require somebody to come into the country for a very short uh, amount of time who doesn't have the legal authority to. They've been deemed granted uh, access to the country, and then at some point in the nearest of futures, once they arrive, they leave. And they've just renamed and made basically like sub-notches in the word and the term and the code of parole to where if you come in, We'll break it up into all these different demographics, men, women, children, countries, what you're claiming asylum for, and everybody gets the same piece of paper, and out the door you go. Never to be seen again, probably, as we heard in the first clip when he was talking about the two Chinese nationals who it turns up are on some kind of watch list, but at the time of their apprehension... Wait, you mean the vetting didn't work? 
Sure didn't. Uh, but I, I distinctly read the name that was on his passport. Uh, Clearly stated his name was John Smith. Yeah. Born January 1st, 1991. Got him. He's in. Mm. I thought it was interesting that his name was Hector and he was uh, from China, but. They're hey. all seeking asylum. Hey, it's 2023, bro. Mm. Come on, man. It's Transgender Awareness Day of Vengeance. <laughs> Things aren't, things aren't looking so good for Ron DeSantis in Florida right now as we have Asshole. some breaking news uh, coming across the newswire here. Apparently, the uh, rabid trans mob have taken over the rotunda in the Florida state capitol and are holding a... A transurrection? Yes. Yes, they are. Oh, so man. My only question is, which one of them... Oh, they're, they're allowed to do it, though, right? ...will be the first one to serve an 800-day pretrial jail stint in the state of Florida. I heard they have a trans shaman. Mm. No, like, for real. What's its pronouns? <laughs> Magic. Horn and hornier. Stop. Speaking of fired up, Senator Hawley wanted to touch on the wall, why it wasn't finished, and why are the American taxpayers essentially paying for huge piles of rust out in desert portions of no man's land? Let's hear him. Here's the Texas Monthly, not a notable conservative outlet, who reports, and I quote, at no point... Does the app ask users, are you seeking asylum? Those arriving for the CBP-1 appointments are given no interviews, asked no questions about vulnerabilities that they may or may not have listed in the app or about why they're coming to the United States. Mm. They're simply released into the country, end quote. So rather than building a wall, Mr. Secretary, you have built Ticketmaster for illegal immigrants. <laughs> you are, um, Senator, you uh, um, are conflating programs. Our let, fees let me are much less just, than just to respond master. to this. Is it true that they are given no interviews, asked no questions, and simply released into the country? Let me explain to you what we announced oh, God. on January 5th. No, no, I want you to explain but, to me what's happening. I, I know what you oh, announced. So, I read it to you. So I, so I will explain to you what oh. is happening. Are they given because, interviews? Let's start with that. Are they given interviews? We were previously oh, experiencing... Oh, 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 oh. This is starting almost, to sound like a no. Well, let's, just, 90, let's just hone in here. Mr. Almost, Secretary, my time is, is very limited. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to drive to some clarity Ted here. Ted Cruz is next to Josh Texas Hawley Monthly laughing. has reported that once illegal immigrants go on their phone and reserve their time to come to the border, once they use your concierge service that you've created for them, when they come, concierge they are given service. no interviews, they are asked no questions about any vulnerabilities, they are simply released into the country. Is that happening? Uh, Senator, you are mistaken, and if I may explain. Oh. Are they given interviews? If I may explain. This guy's fucked. He's lying. Who's yeah. under oath parole yeah. under our January 5th program for Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans are screened and vetted before they arrive at our border. That wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, they, they go on and they go on the phone and they just reserve a time and then they show up and they're not given they're given nothing. Senator Hawley definitely did his homework, you know. Yeah, did he go on the app and reserve a time for himself? That's another thing that that Tom Holman has talked about, that app that is just horseshit. He said it's a bunch of things that you can pretty much just populate with whatever information you want, and as long as they ping you back with a date and time, you show up somewhere where they round you up and they throw you on a bus with the piece of paper for parole and they release you into the United States. They, they set you up the sponsor with Tinder now. Hmm. Well, <laughs> Or Grinder, depending. Speaking about the hottest places Ugh. on the interwebs, 
If you're listening to the show right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, anywhere, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Really important to the show. The more subscribers we get, the better we are into the algorithms of suggestions when you're looking for podcasts like ours. In addition, social media is True Social, Getter, Twitter, and Instagram. Just type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast, follow us, hit the subscription bell. Anything that's hot that's out there, we're sharing, we're mixing it up, we're collabing with other people, and we'll be delivered to you via notifications if you do. We're getting ready right now. we got a tandem of interviews coming up in just a minute. Congressman Mike Collins, who I'm going to do a programming note. We usually don't do this because sometimes we hit shows on and interviews on non-recording days. Like We hit Mike Collins' interview on Thursday of this week, and uh, we time-traveled a little bit. So for those of you who might be wondering why he didn't weigh in on the Trump indictment. It was a full 24 hours before that ruling came down. And we're going to be sitting down with Newsmax's Brian Lieb for the first time. And we're really excited about that one. Someone we're really excited to listen to anytime he comes onto the show is uh, Senator John Kennedy, who I, I know you guys saw the video the other day. He left national treasure. He left. Oh, that was great. The <laughs> committee meeting right in the middle. And I guess my <laughs> didn't see him leave. And when he passed behind him, he gave him a shoulder squeeze and scared the shit shit out of him really he you would think he grabbed his dick yeah i, I said he, first he saw god then he met the reaper because kennedy walked around him and gave him like another pat on the shoulder and then asked him for a handshake he's like good job see you later and walked out of the committee but uh they, they segued a little bit and, and we're talking about I, I i didn't realize i was gonna get the vulcan neck pinch today listen you you thought you wore out the garrison button a little bit already you might even be might even want to be dropping an asshole after this one uh. Senator Ted Kennedy is going to ask him to define an assault rifle. Secretary, do you agree with the president that we should ban the private ownership of assault weapons in America? Senator, I do. What is an assault weapon? It is, for example, an AK-47. Uh, can you give me a definition other than just pointing to a specific what? weapon? Would there be other weapons? Besides an AK-47, you would ban? Uh, there uh, uh, very well are. And I remember when I was a federal prosecutor uh, in the Central District of California oh. from oh. September 25th, 1989 oh. to, I believe it was oh. April Nobody 2001. Nobody cares. Oh. And I thank you uh, for your service, the, but if you could the answer law my question. Oh. The, the vast majority of law enforcement officers, uh, leaders uh, with whom I worked uh, uh, were uh, greatly in support of the assault weapons Mr. ban. Mr. Chairman, you know why we get so frustrated with you? Because you won't shut because up. Because you won't give straight answers. I think I just did. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Do you have an, a, def, a definition of an assault weapon? Uh, I am confident there is a technical definition of what is an assault weapon, uh, and it was uh, assuredly used uh, in the context of the statute that previously existed banning assault weapons. Asshole. <sighs> what a what fucking a... rim job. Awful. Like, I just want to slap the shit out of him. He's a and I'm retard. not condoning violence. I'm just saying. He's got a punchable face. Very punchable. And, uh, and especially when he talks, it just, oh. Uh, Senator. Uh, I... I would... I, uh, there's definitely is a technical description, and it is a... Definitely been used in the world. You guys got to hear. The so just a just an AK-47 is an assault weapon. Okay, well, there's semi-automatic. 
AK-47. I'm shocked he did what not mention idiot. AR-15. I'm what? shocked he didn't use he, he the doesn't say AR-15. He doesn't want to be totally on the nose. The thing was, is that you got to hear the the messaging that's through all that noise that he was not answering there. So what he did was when he said what he when he was a federal prosecutor and he Everybody, collaborated all, all these police leaders right he supported said that, that's the what he said weapons ban. and i and i worked alongside law enforcement breath leadership and it's like okay so now you're talking about as a federal prosecutor you're working with all of the law enforcement people, politicians yeah the people that are put in by the people that want this as their fucking yeah the ones getting paid by the lobby bullet groups. to put down any type of recourse for the government uh you, fucking off excellent point there Noah Alan you picked up on it too and our listenership listen sometimes they're going to tell you exact they say they don't like him because he doesn't give answers when he gives you the answers you got to hear it or you're going to miss it as we're getting ready to wrap this segment right now and jump in with Mike Collins and Brian Lieb Ted Cruz who we previewed on our Tuesday edition of the show had a interesting back and forth to say the least with the Department of Homeland Security secretary he followed up on that with a little post-game commentary with Greta Van Susteren let's hear Lion Ted how many children have been sold into sex slavery under your administration? Senator, we are taking it to the cartel. How many children have been sold into sex slavery? In an Do you know how many children have been sold into sex slavery? Taking unprecedented of money to the Mr. Secretary, I want to say to you right now, it is your behavior is disgraceful, and the asshole. deaths, the children assaulted, the children raped, they are at your feet, and if you had integrity, you would resign. And I will tell you, the men and women of the Border Patrol, they've never had a political leader undermine them. They despise you, Mr. Secretary. <laughs> what the senator said was revolting. I'm not going to address it. It's true. Your refusal to do your job is revolting. <laughs> senator, you had a rather blistering conversation with the uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, Mayorkas. Um, tell me, you said he wasn't doing his job. What specifically do you want from him? His job. Well, it's very simple for him to do his job and secure the border. Uh, I got to say, yesterday's hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee was infuriating. Uh, number one, because he won't answer a question. He yep. stands there defiantly and insists nothing's wrong. And, and he has presided over the worst crisis at our southern border in the history of our country. We've seen over five and a half million illegal immigrants cross under Joe Biden, under Alejandro Mayorkas. And, and what is so infuriating Spicy. is that's not an accident. That's not incompetence. It is the outcome they want. It is the result of political decisions made by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to open up the border. And, and the result is we are seeing incredible human suffering. I asked him yesterday about the record number of illegal immigrants that die every year crossing the border, about the children, about the pregnant women, about the elderly people abandoned to die in the desert. I asked him about the young children who were physically and sexually assaulted by the human traffickers. And, and for every one of those questions, he, he takes no responsibility whatsoever. He doesn't even admit it's a problem. I asked him about the over 100,000 overdoses we had last year because of the Chinese fentanyl flooding across the border. And again, he refuses to take responsibility. But even worse, he intends to continue doing the same things, which means these problems will only get worse. He makes some excellent points there. He's just not doing his job. All the middle management hates his guts. The entire front line hates his guts. And listen, 
every Tom Holman hit on it a little bit with some of the numbers, but Jorge Ventura, who works on the front lines, he specified it for us. Noah, you remember last time he was on, he said the Border Patrol and all of the adjacent agencies that work along the U.S. southern border, they used to see one-ish, maybe, drowning death every six months or so. It was mm-hmm. ve- Now they're getting half a dozen a day. Yeah. Of people in no man's land or crossing the rivers or the extremely dangerous canal portions of the U.S. southern border into the United States. Six bodies a day. He said, and, and an overwhelming majority are the children that are hanging on to their parents and get separated from them and just get washed away. Or they get thrown over the fence. Yeah. Lo- loosely. Just, yep, here you go. And, and dropped 40, 50 feet down to basically, I mean, there was that video that circulated last year. The two kids got dropped off over the fence from the top of the fence, straight down to the ground. And those weren't parents dropping them off. No, those, those were smugglers. Fucking smugglers. Yeah. Like, well, they said, deliver the kids. <laughs> Didn't say how one kid broke his hip. The other kid broke both legs and they just left them there. Yeah. That's, that's awful. Yeah. And this is what's going on every single day, every single hour. Right now, people are being manipulated raped. and raped, and kids are dying on this border. And all 100 Americans could give two shits because this is all part of Joe Biden's, you know, version two of Barack Obama's open borders policy. And, and it's something that it's really, really can't talk about the national security issues that are interwoven into all this. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody keeps track of it and has better. Tom Holman's going to be coming back next week. I can't wait to hear him give a little commentary on, on obviously his most favorite DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. But before we even start to worry about that, hey, there's another pay-per-view to end world hunger. No, Alejandro Mayorkas is five foot three. Tom Holman looks like the human version of Thanos. All right, so a snuff, a snuff film <laughs> to end go. world hunger. There you go. I mean, he literally looks like Thanos. I said it to my son, and then I showed him a picture, and my son started organically laughing. I was like, okay, he really does look like Thanos. But we're, we're going to sit down right now with Congressman Mike Collins, and then we're going to jump right into it with Brian Lee. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house. Our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You enter promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us here next on the show, he's the congressman that's representing Georgia's 10th congressional district, Representative Mike Collins. Thanks for joining us again on this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure, and I appreciate y'all having me back on. Oh, our listenership has been... uh, demanding that you return to the show in our comment sections. We tease it sometimes, but due to uh, committee work, subcommittee work, floor votes, uh, I don't think these people understand that you're really up on Capitol Hill doing work on behalf of not only your local constituents, but the American people. So let's jump right into yeah. it. We, we were talking to get things started uh, right before we pressed record today. You, you had a markup on your first bill. You want to let our listenership know what's going on with that? Yeah, we did. You know, it's called the Trank Research Act, and, and, and it's a pretty simple bill. You know, with the problem that we've been having with fentanyl coming across the border, and uh, even though that's deadly enough, now they're mixing that stuff with additives, and in particular, this veterinary tranquilizer. And so what we're requesting is funds to research and develop to make sure that we have the necessary antidotes and the necessary medicine to make sure that we keep our law enforcement and our border patrol 
safe. Uh, so it, uh, it, it's hit with a big splash. It's already been marked up and out of committee. We have got so many co-sponsors on it, so it should fly right on through. Now, I'm pretty sure you've been tracking uh, some of the committees that have been going on this week and, and saw what was going on with Secretary Mayorkas yesterday. You want to provide a little commentary on what you saw when, when, when some of the senators were absolutely grueling him and he appeared to have no answers or admit that there's any kind of a problem regarding things like fentanyl, something you're working hard to combat right now in the House? I don't think anything's changed, has it? The, the guy has been aloof and he's not been on the job uh, seriously since he got here. And it is time for my orchestra to go. I mean, that's 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 pretty much as simple and in a nutshell as it can be. Yeah, he uh, did not look too good as he as he never does. He wanted to point out his his career body of work in, in federal service, but then if you go back and start looking at the receipts, not only yeah. with the Department of Homeland Security and places like that, but all the way back to his work and scandals that he had within CIS, it, it's pretty safe to say that uh, his job might not be secure for the rest of the uh, Biden term. So we'll have to see how that goes. But it's not just him. Right. You know, Garland, Buttigieg, you know, it, it's the whole formation of his cabinet and his, and his agencies. These people are not interested in doing their job. They're not interested in protecting Americans. They're interested in pushing some sort of crazy left wing social ideology that, uh, that, that America doesn't need and surely is not making us any safer. No, it's not. And, and I want to elaborate on that a little bit. Congressman, you called for Secretary Pete to resign over his focus on the woke priorities instead of prioritizing safety and getting results at the Department of Transportation. We had several more derailments this week. Some of them were with trains can, that were carrying toxic chemicals that leaked into rivers and, and lakes. We also had a runaway train with you know automobiles on it out in California that wound up derailing as well. Yeah. Based on the job that's going on right now and what you see, uh, do you think you know, Pete Buttigieg will at some point resign, or is this something that's going to have to be taken to like an impeachment level? Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to have to go to an impeachment level because you've got someone like Pete Buttigieg who, who really doesn't understand. If this was a private se sector matter, the head of person, Pete Buttigieg, would have already resigned just out of respect and integrity. But he doesn't know that. And, and that's what gets back to what we were just talking about. His focus is on social agendas and uh, the whole reason he was hired was social agenda he fit a box he was and, and and they hired him for it and unfortunately what has happened is his social agenda has infiltrated into all the agencies whether it's the dot or the faa it doesn't matter and it's even filtered its way down into some of these private sector companies and people like norfolk southern you know, they had on their, their ESG report uh, for 2022, the letter from the chairman even stated that they were going to concentrate even more on DEI and cultivate a more inclusive culture into that company. Now, what he should have said is we're going to have hire the best dead blame mechanics that we can find out there to keep grease on wheel bearings. But that's not what he said. And look at where it's gotten him. And I'm afraid it's gotten him into to a little bit of a liability situation. Yeah, it certainly has. And uh, I mean, that's someone that was completely unprepared for the job and the task at hand at running the Department of Transportation. And as we continue to have more accidents, unfortunately, we're going to see how big of a mistake that was at the cost of, uh, you know, American workers. And, and at some point, maybe even American lives. It's, it's, it's really a shame to see where, you know, his job has led him down to this part of the Biden's first term. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some people that are ready to fight in the House and Senate, much like you, to uh, get him out of that position. And, and we can get somebody confirmed who's going 
going to be at least more competent than he is at his job. You know, we're even seeing that in the FAA side because sure. we got the FAA reauthorization coming up. And you've got such a disconnect between the executive branch of the FAA yeah. and the middle management uh, because the, the executive branch of that or, uh, agency has not been put in there based on their ex- experience and their expertise. And, and middle management sees that. And they're just like what you just said. They're worried. And, and instead of them getting caught and, and being handed the blame, yeah, they're getting out of it. So are your air traffic controllers, and your air traffic controllers are getting older every day. And what do these people do in their infinite wisdom? They shut down the training schools yep. during the pandemic, and kept them, a third of them aren't even back to work yet. So they don't go back to work. They don't train new people. The, the people, I guess they thought maybe the two years of the pandemic that the air traffic controllers just wouldn't age, I, I guess. I'm not sure. But, uh, but it's just a domino effect on that place over there. And uh, Lord knows, I just hope that nothing happens. We've had a lot of near misses. Uh, note them. You know, what they do there? Spent tens of thousands of dollars to write a 176-page rule to change the name of that thing <laughs> instead of upgrading that system where one person couldn't go in and shut it down. Yep. It, it, it's, just, it's just no common sense in this place up here. No, it seems like the DEI hires and the receipts. I mean, we obviously know we saw uh, North Carolina Senator Ted Budd absolutely destroy one of the FFA nominees uh, just about a week or so ago uh, where he went 0 for 7 on on a list of questions that were common to anyone who has any kind of experience in in aeronautics in the aviation field. And it just goes to show, like, when you have that person at the top of the chain making the decisions on not only uh, senior management hires, but everyone who's going to fill in the blanks between them and the frontline workforce, Mm -hmm. that spells a recipe for disaster for the american public because those are the people that they're supposedly serving at those levels oh you're exactly right and 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 you know what this agency the department of transportation is overseeing an industry they don't work inside of buildings they're not sitting in cubicles making widgets all day they're up there in the air they're on the waterways they're on the railways we're on the roadways with you and your family and, and we don't need people trying to, to indoctrinate and have a social agenda experiment going on in an agency that just has so much liability out there across the motoring public. It's a, a big problem that we're going to continue to track on the show and then obviously fill in the blanks for our listenership when we have uh, representatives like you on the show, Congressman. One of the last things I wanted to touch on, I think it's huge. You platformed on it when you ran for your campaign. It's something that obviously is affecting all of Americans, and that's getting back to energy independence. It, it affects wages, the job market, uh, you know, just the economy in general, and, and the huge rise in inflation over the course of the first two plus years of the Biden administration. HR one, the Lower Energy Cost Act, which will work to increase the development of domestic energy production and minerals on federal land. You're working on that right now. Do you want to let our listenership know a little bit about that? Oh, we are, and, uh, and and it's a great bill that's going through. Uh, I think we'll vote on it uh, maybe today or tomorrow. I'm thinking it's today. But uh, but you're exactly right. You know, that's what we campaign on is getting back to energy independent, that America first agenda. And and I've, I've had people ask me all day about it. And, and all you got to do is say, hey, if, if you want to really understand what we're doing, just stop at the gas station. Take a look at that price of that gallon of gas and then think back what it was like four years ago during the last administration when Trump said you would never get tired of winning. We were an exporter. Our allies were buying their fuel from us. We were sending it to them. 
they weren't having to buy it from people like Russia, and we certainly right. weren't having to try to buy it from our enemies. When we did away with that energy independence and went energy dependent, Russia started getting rich. Putin was padding his pockets with money and just burning a hole in his pocket. And so he has spent it on invading Ukraine. That's that's one important part of this puzzle. But the other piece of this is the energy, the, the minerals, where we have rolled back some of this crazy permitting problems that we've had in every subcommittee that I sit in and we hold hearings that it doesn't take five minutes. And the witnesses are talking about permits, permits, having to wait so many years on getting a permit. Or in the case, if, if, if the permit has a problem, then to get it adjudicated with NEPA, which was uh, which was voted on and, and passed in 1945 and never been reformed, then you're looking at five, six, seven, eight years. You know, we, we don't have any smelters that left. I think we may have three operational, maybe four operational smelters in this country. The minerals that are being extracted right now from our country are being shipped over to China yep. and then processed and brought back to here. That that didn't, I, I can't even say that doesn't make common sense. That's asinine. Why we would do something like that. That will knock out not only just the fact that we've had a permitting problem, but it's also going to help start bringing China in line, which was another big campaign platform that we have been campaigning on. It is, and, and, and it, 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 it aligns with what President Trump's running on right now. And, and, you know, as his campaign's officially kicked off, he had a huge rally down in Waco, Texas over the weekend. Have you been tracking the 45th president uh, since he's launched? And uh, are, are you seeing some good things that kind of realign to those Trump-era policies we saw in his first term as he's getting into the uh, throngs of the presidential primary season? You know, we haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to really pay as much attention as I used to. Because you're right, you know, when he the first time he ran, uh, way before he was a nominee, I'd already maxed out to him. I, I met him in a, in a house in Atlanta, Georgia, and I thought, man, this is this is what we need is somebody to run this place like a business. But uh, unfortunately, since I've been up here, my average work day is, is just north of 14 hours a day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they keep us running from 7 in the morning when I get here up until, you know, 8, 9 o'clock at night. So, uh it's kind of limited me on how much I can I can look at across there and see what's going on. Yeah, no, we understand that, and uh, we understand how busy you are. Uh, good thing they got someone who who knows a little bit about running a business, especially something that uh, is a twenty four hour operation like the trucking industry, like something you're extremely familiar with, Congressman. Last thing I wanted to touch with you on, I think it's really important. You did recently a tour of the uh, D.C. jail where some of the January six detainees are being held. We did. Congressman uh, like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, et cetera. Do you want to give our listenership yeah. a little bit into what you saw when you did it? Yeah, you know, and, and, and here's what, when I got there, you, you really have to break this up into two different areas. You've got one side of it that, that basically deals with their, their, their process of their court and, and their trial. And that, that parts with the DOJ. Right. Now, the, the part that we went to see is just, what the physical location that they're being held at? Are they are they getting their needs nutritional wise, health wise? Uh, are they getting are they able to to speak with their lawyers? Are they able to get their their information? And that's where I had questions, and I still have questions. I think we can get easy answers to them because I had asked, you know, do you keep logs? We met with the 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 J six people in there. The three people that I talked to didn't even enter the the Capitol. But yet they're looking at 70 to 80 months on a plea deal, a whole lot more than that if they take it to trial. 
but we've been we while we were standing there were telling me things like they they don't get their mail for three months well those are time stamped we should be able to get easy answers to that they also are, are having problems from what they're saying getting their laptops uh the the obviously the jail owns the laptops and sure. they move them around from inmate to inmate but they're saying once they 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 give the laptop back that is several months before they get it back and then they also have problems uh meeting with their lawyers because of the time constraints and it seems like that when it's time allotted for them to meet with their lawyer something comes up and they don't get to so those are easily answered questions we need those questions answered um it was obvious you know fresh coats of paint were on there and you know the place was clean for a jail but uh, but certainly I had answers when I our questions when I left out there that I'd love to have answers to. And and the biggest thing I'd love to have an answer to, these people need a freaking day in court. Yes, they do. You know, I, I don't know if they're innocent or guilty. That's that's not for me to decide. But I tell you what, they need to have their day in court. No, we agree with you totally. And it's been one of the messages we we try to provide on the show since the incident happened. We, anyone who did anything that was, you know, in violation of breaking the law on that day, whether it was entering the Capitol, property destruction, assault of a police officer, regardless, those people need to have their day in court and they need to serve their time for whatever it is that they've been accused of and, and eventually convicted of doing. But for all the people who were just, like you said, the three people you talked to didn't even enter the Capitol and could be looking up to as many as 70 months in prison on a plea deal. That's just kind of absolutely ridiculous on our end. And we'd like to see, I mean, if that's going to be what what's going to be coming from it is they want to try to make examples out of these people, then they need to see swifter justice and not being able to have laptops and accessibility to their lawyers or not getting their mail for months at a time. If, if, if they want to do that, then, then they need to go over there to Antifa and BLM sure. and arrest those folks and do the same thing. It's a two-tiered justice system around here. It, it certainly is, and, 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 you know, conservatives, not even conservatives anymore. I'm sure you heard that Matt Taibbi, mm-hmm. in, in the midst of his uh, congressional testimony regarding the Twitter files, had the IRS show up at his house a couple times in the last week uh, talking about, you know, unfiled tax returns from previous years where he had already filed them. It, they're starting to widen the scope, and it's anyone who just kind yeah. of, you know, necessarily might want to speak the truth and shed light on some of the things that go on behind the scenes are in the targets just as much as the people there. Oh, we had to we had to go by a gun store Monday morning before we came to D.C. as a delegation because the uh, the ATF, yep. who audits the store regularly, decided to bring in sixteen agents from across the country to audit them. Now it just so happens that they've got a political event going on uh, with Ron DeSantis on third tomorrow, and uh, you know to, to us it kind of shot across the bow. Yeah, the intimidation factor is definitely out there. It's, it's We're glad that we have congresspeople yeah. like you, Mike, standing in the way. This has been great catching up with you again. Obviously, we'll be anticipating the next time you could join us on the show. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show description today. But for anyone that's not already following you, and they should be if you're listening to this show, where can we find you on social medias? Well, you can find us, uh, congressionalists, uh, Rep. Mike Collins, and uh, that'll get you on Twitter. And uh, We'd love to have you follow us. We'd love to have your comments, suggestions, anything you want to tell us about. Uh, what's going on out there because uh, you're right we're here to fight we're here to fight for you and we're here to fight for our America following up what he campaigned on and doing it a big way up on Capitol Hill this is the congressman who's representing Georgia's 10th congressional district representative Mike Collins thanks for joining us on the show appreciate you having me good talking to you all right joining us now on the show he is a Newsmax insider he's one of our great friends he's doing so much work in the America First community he's making his state for breakfast debut today Brian Lee thanks for joining us on the show Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Honored to be here. 
And it's our pleasure to host you. Man, it has been a rough 24 hours for the news cycle. We had so much stuff that we want to talk about, and we just keep piling more stories on top of it. Obviously, one of the biggest ones in the history of politics, maybe just in general, the United States. That's with the indictment coming down against the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. I know you were tracking this all over the place yesterday, giving commentary, sharing posts, and doing all the great stuff that you do. Brian, what can you tell our listenership that you're seeing right now as we're continuing to track this development story? I'm seeing a lot of friends of mine who have never really been very politically active. They've kind of been on the, the, the outskirts of politics that are seeing this and they're saying, you know what, I'm voting for Trump. Um, whether they're registered Republicans or not, they said, you know, we're going to vote for Trump in the primary. We're going to vote for him in the general. And I think this is waking up a lot of people. It is clear as day to see what's happening right now. I mean, from, from Trump's time, when he was in the White House and now, you know, as a now candidate uh, to return to the White House, it's clear to see what's happening. Yeah, it's really disturbing to uh, see how bad our justice system, the swamp in Washington, D.C., has now, you know, interwoven itself into the state levels, places like Georgia, obviously the Manhattan office in New York, and uh, who knows where else things are going to be. I'm sure there will be more, and I think these people are all collaborating with each other behind the scenes to uh, kind of, we'll do it but because we know you're going to do it, and then we'll see if the Justice Department takes some of the recommendations from the January 6th committee and tries to have that as like the icing on the cake sometime down the road, but... You know, your support and uh, actually promotion by the 45th president is is nothing new. Uh, you wrote a great article talking about Donald Trump's support for the American Jewish and pro-Israel relations and community. Donald Trump actually shared your opinion piece on True Social, and he gave you a shout-out in a statement. So do you want to tell our listenership about what went into the writing of that article and what were some of the big milestones that you know the jewish community really appreciates donald trump following through on his campaign promises for during the course of his first term yeah well i I wrote that as a call to action to the jewish and pro-israel community because you know i think you know we have a we have an easy decision to make right And, and at the end of the day we can pick someone who promised promised to build us a house and then he built us that house in record time and it's a great house to be living in, or we can pick someone that's promised to build us that house, but hasn't built that house just yet. Um, so, you know, part of, uh, you know, what President Trump, I think, made him so successful and made him so different than any other politician that we've ever seen is he made so many campaign promises and he delivered on almost every single one of them. And, and when it comes to the Jewish community and pro-Israel community, a couple of those things are you know, he promised to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Jewish community in America and globally. And what did he do on his first trip uh, to Jerusalem? He was the first sitting president ever to visit the Kotel, uh, a message that I think really delivered on that promise. Um, he promised to improve our damaged relationship with Israel and withdraw from that disastrous Obama-Biden negotiated uh, JCPOA, yep. also known as the Iran nuclear deal. He withdrew from that failed agreement. He ripped it up and he enacted maximum sanctions, maximum uh, pressure against that uh, that regime in Tehran. Then finally, and this is really just it, it, it's a it's a recognition of fact. And that was when President Trump promised to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. He did it and he did it in record time. And gentlemen, I think the most important thing about that. Uh, and we're certainly not seeing that happen today, is that when President Trump did that, other countries followed. When America projects 
strength onto the world, other countries follow us. That's not happening right now. So, I mean, we could talk for an hour about the things that President Trump and his administration did, uh, not just for the Jewish community, uh, but the American community as a whole. We'd right. be here probably all day. But, uh, but I felt, I felt, I felt the need to write that op-ed because. I really think people you know, need to understand what President Trump did. He promised so many things and he delivered on every single promise. I mean, that's never happened in the history of politics that I've ever seen. No, it hasn't. And, and you know, a follow up to that that I want to ask you on. They're having a really big crisis in Israel with the judicial reform that's going on now. And, you know, you saw Joe Biden make some really disparaging remarks to, uh, you know, President Netanyahu this week saying that, like, he doesn't essentially have any interest in seeing him or hosting him anytime soon, a time when it, as soon as we get back to those uh, Obama-Biden-era politics and stances on places like Israel, who's one of our strongest allies in the world, we start to see the relationship get cold again. How troubling is that for you, and what does that say in the uh, reshaping way the global politics map is with China and Russia and Iran, the BRICS nations and stuff right now, all kind of getting together and... Uh, you know, essentially plotting our demise. Well, it's extremely troubling, and I'm so glad you just brought up the BRICS nation. And what's being talked about a little bit right now, but not enough, is the fact that just in the last 48 hours, Brazil and um, and China have now agreed to eliminate the U.S. currency when they're trading. They're going to yep. be trading currency to currency for the first time ever. And um, again, I mean, I don't think that would be happening if President Trump was in the White House. But let's talk for a second here about this this recent flare-up now with with biden and, and israel um it is really unacceptable for president biden and other members of his cabinet and administration to be meddling into the domestic affairs of our strongest and most reliable ally in the middle east um, and you've seen a lot of members of congress uh, both in the house and senate that have now come out and slammed president biden for doing that uh, and it really is shameful. I mean, there's so many things that, that are happening in this country that would make the average American, you know, put their hands over their eyes and say, man, what's happening in this country is really not great. But yet our president has the gall and audacity to try and weigh in to a foreign nation. And listen, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, guys, because, you know, this is an Obama 2.0 administration from personnel and from a policy perspective. Uh, and let's not forget that it was President Obama uh, who uh, funded, his State Department funded multiple NGOs inside of Israel that tried to overthrow Benjamin Netanyahu uh, a couple couple, couple terms back. Um, so I'm not surprised that, that, uh, that Biden is weighing into this, but really, you know, it's really shameful. He can't speak out against the Islamic Republic of Iran, who murders innocent men, women, and children every month, or who you know, through their terrorist proxies, kills Americans in Syria and injures American soldiers. Can't speak out about that, but he can find the time to speak out and call out our most trusted ally in the Middle East. I mean, it's again, you know, guys, it's this America last policy that's not just a domestic thing. I think it's a foreign policy thing, too. Um, and uh, all of us are suffering from this America last policy uh, from the Biden administration, in my opinion. We certainly are, and uh, it's extremely troublesome to see some of our you know, biggest strategic foes working together uh, so effortlessly now and, and, and in the open where, where in years past it would be taboo to, you know, promote countries like Iran or, or have Turkey at the forefront of stuff when, uh, you know, we, we do know there are a lot of bad things that happen in that country. Uh, the Just the, uh, you know, red flags that we have with the uh, – 
uh, climate stuff in regards to China and places like Israel. And then when you just talk about the currency, it's always been manipulated by some of these biggest countries, China, Russia, Iran, probably the biggest ones. But now that it's going free flow through all of the BRICS nations where you see a lot of other countries wanting to jump in that coalition as well, extremely troubling. Brian, last thing I want to touch with you on, I, I mentioned Iran, so did you. Where do they factor all into this? It seems like they're coming up the biggest in, in, in you know, even though everybody's blowing the, the whistle on the China and Iran summit that happened when Xi Jinping went over to Moscow just a week ago, it seems like the big winner in this situation in the end might be Iran based off the history of how tough the United States has been on them. The Islamic Republic of Iran has been winning uh, ever since President Trump left the White House and President Biden became the president of the United States of America. Um, what a lot of people don't know is that in 2020, the Chinese actually agreed to invest over $400 billion over the next 25 years into, into the Islamic Republic of Iran. Now, listen, that is a lot of money for any country, but that's a lot of money specifically for the Islamic Republic of Iran, who's really never seen more than $10 million in outside investment, let alone $400 billion. So, um, you know, when America projects weakness onto the world, our adversaries, and by the way, gentlemen, that is what they are. Biden likes to call them our competitors. No, no, no. no. They are our adversaries. And when we project weakness onto the world, our adversaries are going to eat our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that's exactly what's happening with China right now. They saw they saw an opportunity to exert their power on the world stage. They're doing it financially through economic investment. They're doing it diplomatically uh, in this recent normalization agreement between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, they're doing it all across the board. And now they're trying to manipulate currency. And I'm, I'm sure the Iranians are involved with that too. But guys, no one has, has benefited more on the world stage from a President Biden administration and the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, again, not just from the foreign investment, but also you know, they're selling a billion dollars of oil every month to, to, to China. We have sanctions on the books right now that we are not enforcing. That has led to the, the, the Chinese purchasing almost a billion dollars in oil every month. And what does that mean in layman's terms? It means that in January 2020, when Biden came into the White House, the Islamic Republic of Iran had $4 billion in international reserves. Okay, that's a couple months to keep the lights on for, for, for a country. They now, as of today, the last number I heard, have over $55 billion in international reserves. So, you know, this is what's happening. President Biden is directly and indirectly emboldening our adversaries. And by the way, guys, when the Islamic Republic of Iran has more money like that, it doesn't go to supporting the people of Iran. It doesn't go to supporting freedom inside of Iran. It goes to funding their terrorist proxies all around the world in Israel and the Middle East that are targeting Jews, Americans, and Christians. That's what's happening right now. Um, and um, and you saw it just materialize, as I mentioned, just last week with uh, an American contractor being killed by Iranian-backed forces and six service members being injured. Enough is enough. We've got we've to put an end to this. And 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 it, it, the end to this starts with President Trump getting back into the White House. I don't know if we're going to be able to survive these next two years, but I do know that if we can get President Trump back into the White House, he can start ripping up a lot of these things that President Biden's been doing, and he will will on day one start projecting strength onto the world. And our adversaries, they're going to fear us, they're going to respect us, and they wouldn't dare kill Americans ever again. You make an excellent point there. And you want to know what's becoming a recurring theme of this show. We had a uh, former chief of staff to the DOD um, earlier today. It was Cash Patel. He was talking about how the MAGA Pact is you're either in or out. 
Whether If you've never been with Trump, stay away. If you're silent in this moment in time, you might as well consider yourself out as well. We also had the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse in just a little while ago on the show, Raheem Kassam. We talked about the people who are politically asleep at the wheel right now. If there's any time to wake up, it's in this moment, and then you come in and talk about all these geopolitical things that are going on that's going to make life extremely difficult for not only the United States, but all the people in the world uh, when you talk about the way that some of these major countries out there who, who are not friends of ours in any way, shape, or form are just going to make it tougher for the world to get their energy, to get their food, uh, to run their economies. And Brian, this has been awesome sitting down with you for the first time today. We would love to have you back at some point in April. For anyone that's not tracking you, where could we find you online? And uh, what's your handles that we could live link in the show description today? Well, guys, thanks for having me on. And thank you for all the great work that, that your podcast does. I mean, you guys go viral anytime you put stuff out there. And I think it's, it's, it's great work that you guys are doing. Um, find me on, I have a website, it's Brian with a Y E L E I B.com. Uh, and then I'm also on all the social media platforms verified on Twitter, getter, true social, all the above, and just search for Brian with a Y and L E I B. And I'm sure you'll find me guys. I have a quick question though. Do you guys ever ask people when they come on this podcast, what their favorite steak is, or is that like not kosher to ask? I don't know what it could be kosher today. What's your favorite? You know, I was thinking about this. I mean, I would love a ribeye. I mean, I, I, I would was going to say ribeye for dinner tonight. You know, but I mean, you should ask everyone that comes on this podcast, "What's your favorite steak?" That could be something cool to add. You know, we could uh, we could line it up and and guess what they're going to say. I knew he was going to say ribeye. Now it looks like we're, you know, we, oh, we, yeah. we might have a new interview question coming out when uh, our show jumps back on next week in April. This is one of the guys who's out there fighting the good fight on the front lines for MAGA. You'll see him on Newsmax. Today's on Steak for Breakfast. Brian Lieb, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, guys, so much. Secretary Austin, last week, General McKenzie repeated that he has many regrets about the botched, deadly, and embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan and that he supports investigations into that withdrawal. A moment ago, you didn't. You said you executed the president's order. You didn't tell us what you advised the president to do. But do you have regrets about the withdrawal from Afghanistan? I support the president's decision. Do you have regrets of, about the withdrawal or how the withdrawal occurred from Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 of our service members? I, I don't have any regrets. Uh, you don't have um, any regrets. Secretary Austin, uh, it's very I telling. You're a piece of shit. Uh, Secretary Austin, um, has there ever been any accountability for anyone within the Department of Defense for the deadly botched an embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan. Any accountability? Hey, listen, our, our, our troops evacuated 124,000 people. That's on the airfield. back. Has anyone and been held accountable? If a Navy captain grounded a ship, what happens immediately? Typically, that, that captain is removed. That captain is removed. Has anyone been held accountable for what happened in Afghanistan? To my knowledge, no. You don't regret it? No one's ever been held accountable? Mr. Chairman, this is why this Republican majority must provide the accountability that this administration wants to sweep under the rug with what happened in Afghanistan. That's a current House rep from Indiana, future senator of the same state, Jim Banks, holding Defense Secretary Austin to the fire as, listen, another thing to get pissed off about, you thought that border uh, committee meeting w was an absolute shit show that we played in our, in our last news segment. I bet you a lot, there's a lot of people who didn't know what all the crap that's going on this week that Austin and Millie were up on Capitol Hill getting their asses reamed by the House Intelligence Committee oversight into the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Absolutely disgusting, loathsome comments. Alan, I heard you saying all he wants to do is pat himself on the back. No, I'm sure you're, you're 
hotter than the face of a thousand white hot suns. Mm -hmm. Not a huge fan. That's what, that's what they do. That's what they that they've been doing it. They were bragging when it was going on. The largest air evacuation in American history. Pat Pat's on the back. They're all circle jerking each other. And 13 people, 13 service members dead where they had the intelligence on the suicide bomber. You heard the testimony of that Marine sniper. I played it on my show a while back how, you know, he lost an arm and a leg and, yep. and he asked the questions. He, they, they told him he could not take the person out because it would expose a United States government asset. The United States government killed those 13 service members and everyone got a pat on the back for it that was swept under the rug. Well, that didn't matter. Joe Biden was busy, you know, checking his watch as they were taking their, their caskets off of the C-130. I mean, it, it's it's so sick. It's infuriating. Yeah, how those two haven't, and I'm talking about Secretary Austin and then the, the Joint Chief, uh, General Mark Milley, it, it almost feels disgusting to call him General because he's a fucking complete embarrassment to anyone that's ever put on the uniform, and I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with me on that. Nope. He uh, got into it a little bit, Secretary Austin, and uh, one of our favorite congressmen, Florida's fighting first, Matt Gates. because guess what? Oh. Instead of worrying about any kind of accountability or even shedding light on what happened during the withdrawal of Afghanistan... Your American tax dollars that are going to the Department of Defense and to our uh, brave men and women in uniform right now are funding on-base trans story time. Let's hear it. Mm. Should go to fund drag queen story hours on military bases. You know, drag, drag queen story hours is not something that uh, the department funds. Wait a second. That's actually not what the record seems to suggest. You were going to fund one at Ramstein Air Force Base. That one got canceled, but that's DOD insignia. That's a drag queen story hour for children. Then also at uh, Malstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls, Montana, you had a, a drag queen story hour for kids. At the Joint Base Langley Eustis, you put on a drag queen story hour on a Saturday for the first ever kid-friendly diversity, equity, inclusion summer festival. Holy and shit. at Nellis Air Force Base, you had the drag you Nellis on June 17th. Who funded these things, Mr. Secretary? Listen, uh, drag shows and, uh, are not something that the Department of Defense uh, supports or funds. Supports? Oh, why, why are they happening on military Is he allowed bases? to say that? I just, I just showed you the evidence. Why are they happening? I will say again. Oh, my God. This is oh. not something that we support oh, 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 or fund. Oh. You, so you think hosting a drag queen story hour on a military base isn't supporting the drag queen story hour? I stand by what I just said. But, but you may stand by it, but, but it's belied by the evidence over and over again. I mean, are, 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 are you aware of the uh, piece... Uh, Biden's military, Air Force Base in Montana, holds drag show, drag queen story hour for kids in the Western Journal. Are you aware of that? Again, I will but, say what I've said yeah, You're saying what you're saying, but I guess it just doesn't comport with the facts. General Milley, this will be my last time to question you. You mentioned two years ago that you wanted to better understand <laughs> white rage. And so my question is this. Did you read this book? No, not at all. It's well, called White Privilege. It, it, it is a, what is White Privilege is the book, and it's actually written by a DOD official, a senior official in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and there are now hundreds of these books in dozens of schools, and I wonder if you guys connect this to your problems with recruiting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Somebody funded it. 
somebody funded it yeah. and, and it was it was done on a it, they were held on military bases listen drag your tax queens dollars don't fucking paid for they, it right we did the drag queens don't work for free they are I have I have interviewed a, a, a drag queen who speaks out against this. And specifically, most drag queens who are adult entertainers, you know, whatever floats your boat, keep them away from kids. They do just about anything for money to support most of them who have uh, horrible uh, extra uh, curricular activities as habits. Right. So th they didn't just out of the kindness of their heart say, oh, I'm going to go to this Air Force base, military base and read to Children who obviously are children of military and pole dance and twerk and and, and, twerk. and ask for dollars from children. They get paid too. for that. They probably they got fucking hazard for pay that. for that one. Jesus. Listen, it was a chore. That's amazing. Putting this show together this week. We hope you're all subscribed across every downloadable platform and every social media. Just type in steak for breakfast. Hit subscribe. It's very important. And as we're getting ready to sit down for the very first time with Brendan Dilly, I did a thing here. So we started off our Tuesday edition of the show, taking it up on Capitol Hill with Corey Mills. He talked about this committee specifically. And in our last audio clip of the week, Congressman Corey Mills had a little present for Secretary Austin at the end of that subcommittee meeting the other day. Let's hear him. That is why, Secretary Austin, that not only do I believe that you should have resigned as a result of this continuation and this path, but I myself perceive this as dereliction of duty. Mm. And I take that very seriously, especially for our armed service members and those who are looking for accountability as a result of this botched withdrawal. Based on my perception and having conducted these operations and seeing how political optics was placed above the true military strategy where we should have held Bagram Air Base, held the detention center, had it conducted withdrawal as the way it was supposed to, not shut down and entrap Americans by taking over HKI, the commercial airspace, and abandoning thousands of Americans, not to mention our SIV and the friends of those who have fought beside us proudly and honorably, who are being methodically and systematically murdered now, who trusted the American people for 20 plus years, and the increase in suicide rates of American soldiers who spiked over 25 after this failed withdrawal, as a result of them feeling as if they had failed. That is why, Secretary Austin, and based on further hearings and investigations, I've already drafted my articles of impeachment for the dereliction of duty. Mm. Mm. I do feel there needs to be accountability at the top and at the highest levels. And I hope that we can get true accountability with future hearings and investigations and your testimonies that would actually either substantiate or discredit my beliefs. That Absolutely outstanding, Representative yep. Corey Mills. Now, I just want to draft it and presented, but not filed. There's a lot more work to be done. But listen, when you lay out there exactly what happened, the fact that Corey Mills and, and, and a group of other people chartered their own plane, okay. went in there against the permission of the U.S. military, was not provided with any airspace or coverage, parked that plane somewhere and got more people out that the U.S. was abandoning Afghanistan during the retreat, which is exactly what it fucking was, mm -hmm. and the biggest yeah. embarrassment in military history, and uh, anything that the January 6th committee proprietes uh, looked like fucking preschool. It, it was really hard for the congressman to hear the testimony of the sniper, to question both of those jerk-offs, and then come talk about it on our show the day after. The guy was getting choked up. He's getting choked up there. And w when you think about all the distractions that are going around, just remember, there, there was a hate crime that was committed at the beginning of this week where six people were murdered because... 
we're not accepting the transgender agenda enough. And they want to bury all this bullshit in the news cycle because they want Donald Trump to take a mugshot. Got to keep your eyes and ears open, head on a swivel at all times. It's going to be coming from all directions. It's only going to get worse. All we could say is we're going to continue to bring it to you the only way we know how. Joining us next on the show's Big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's an author, also the host of The Dilly Show, which kind of spoils it. Brendan Dilly is joining us for the first time. Thanks for coming on the show. What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to host you. Listen, you guys have been towing the line for making America great again for a long time. You guys are really picking up steam. But I want to be able to unpack you for our listenership who might not be familiar with you. So, Brendan, before we get things started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your book, uh, and how you got involved in, in, you know, being at the forefront of the battle that's going on right now for the soul of this country. Absolutely, man. Yeah, no, I, uh, I kind of jumped on the scene back in 2013. My book came out. It's called Still Breathing, The Wisdom and Teachings of a Perfectly Flawed Man. My background is in self-help. I'm a self-help author, speaker. Uh, it's kind of my background is both that. Uh, also, as a personal trainer for a number of years. had my own company. And then I also worked in commercial real estate development, doing uh, multifamily conversions, apartments, high-rise development, ground-up construction, all that fun stuff. <clears throat> so that's where I came from originally. And, and it's funny because when I first came on the scene in 2013, the reason I turned all my attention to writing my book is I had been involved politically in pushing for uh, Ron Paul for president in 2012. And when Dr. Paul uh, didn't win and didn't win the nomination, and, and I got to see firsthand how the Uniparty kind of operates and certainly how uh, the GOP establishment behaves, I was so disenfranchised by what I had seen. Um, I took it upon myself. I'm like, okay, this country is screwed politically. Um, the only way you're going to alter and change this now is you've got to start working at a very foundational level. And so I set out to write my book, wrote the book. It was an immediate bestseller. It was a huge hit. I self-published um, and it was it just became kind of a cult classic, like almost instantly. And, and it stayed there. Um, so the book was out there and I'm I'm doing my thing. I'm living my life. I've, I'm ignoring politics at this point. I had been heavily involved uh, prior to that. But basically, once 2012 went down and Obama got back in. I'm like, well, we're going to get Hillary in 16, yeah. right? Like in my mind, I was like, it's done. We're screwed. So I started thinking about much more long-term. I'm like, okay, I got to write something that can help people <laughs> survive what's coming. So then uh, 2015 rolls around. President Trump announces, initially, I ignore it. I'm still staying away from politics. I'm staying in my lane. And the irony of that, 65% of the people that followed me and were fans of me didn't know my politics. They were Democrats, mm. registered Democrats, 60% minority Democrats. So, um, which didn't matter to me. Uh, and frankly, conservatives hated me because I have a foul mouth and I have absolutely zero, like there's no filter. I don't have any chill. Right. And so, uh, initially early in my career, Republicans were like, this guy's disgusting. He shouldn't even be allowed to have a book. And Democrats were like, he's amazing. He fixed my life. And that was the beginning of my career, unbeknownst to either party, that I was a uh, Ron Paul Republican, donated, uh, was working uh, as hard as I could to try and help Dr. Paul make a difference in, in, you know, in, in all those things. So uh, along comes 2016. My father-in-law at the time, who is not my father-in-law, but he, you know, my, the, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, he's like, you got to pay attention to Trump. My stepdad who's a real estate developer big time he's like trump's the real deal so this is after about five months into this thing it's december of 2015 no excuse me it was november of 2015 you guys love this story november of 2015 i wake up uh 
one morning and I used to, I work Twitter. Okay. Like I'm like a professional Twitter person. Okay. Been doing it for 10 years, actually got trained by somebody on how to use it. I've had seven accounts, almost a million followers. They've deleted all of them except for the one I've got right now. Mm -hmm. um, and back in the day, my original one was huge and it was a self-development account, but I started turning into a political account later on, which is why they nuked it. <laughs> but early in November of 2015, I woke up and there was a hashtag that had just started to trend. It wasn't really taking off yet. It was hashtag Jeb can fix it, right? And I jumped on that thing. I remember it was like 5.30 in the morning. And I'm like, that is the dumbest slogan I have ever heard. And I put out a tweet. It was a shit post. And, uh, and it took off. And once it took off, all of a sudden, big accounts started using it. And they were jumping on it. Well, by that evening, I was on CNN. <laughs> and they had a photograph of the Washington Post and a couple other articles and they were what back then they would grab screen grabs from Twitter. Yep. And there was me and one man you might know who basically had shit posted Jeb right out of the race. Yep. It was Donald Trump <laughs> and with his joke tweet and mine was right below it. And they're like, trolls on Twitter destroyed Jeb Bush's candidacy <laughs> with Jeb can fix it hashtag. Or it was like hijack it or something. And I thought that was the funniest damn thing because it was the first time my path had ever crossed into Donald Trump's world. And it ended up being because some WAPO reporter grabbed both of our tweets right next to each other. And it ended up on CNN. And I had a, at the time I had a bunch of fans that were like self-help fans. They weren't involved with politics. They're like, Oh my God, dude, I saw you on CNN tonight. It was crazy. And I'm like, what? And this was like where I first got into, to the, uh, I guess that particular race. And so uh, I eventually did come out. I, I publicly supported president Trump immediately. Uh, I started adding a thousand followers every two days, losing a thousand followers every two days because the audience was changing because now they're all pissed at me. Sure. Some people were excited. Oh, wow. Is this going? And eventually, eventually my book makes it into the hands of a woman who had previously run for Senate in Arizona. And uh, she had a radio show at the time. Her name was Dr. Kelly Ward. Yep. And Dr. Kelly Ward and her husband become big fans of me as an author and on Twitter. And Kelly, you know, Dr. Kelly Ward says, Brendan, I'd like to interview this. Is, it was nine days before the 2016 election. I'd like to interview Will you come down to the radio station. And I didn't realize the radio station was four blocks from my house because <laughs> uh, it, it's a little hole in the wall uh, place in downtown Phoenix. So I went down there and it was my first official where somebody I had been on lots of interviews for self-development, but no one had ever talked to me about my politics until that day. And actually, that that interview is still up on YouTube somewhere. Uh, with me and Dr. Kelly Ward. And ironically enough, she actually announced her uh, intention to run for Senate in 2018 during that interview. So that was pretty cool. And that was my first jump into politics, man. And that's how, and then it's pretty much been game on ever since. Uh, and she gave me a great interview. I told her what I think was going to happen in the 2016 election. Donald Trump did end up winning. I ended up being correct. And, uh, and the rest has been sort of history, man. No, it's a it's a weird road to where I, a lot of people take roads like this to come to where we're at right now at the front of this fight. But what it's developed into, honestly, and, and I've tracked it for a long time before I even decided to reach out to you because you guys do such great work, both on like whether it's shit posting, 
posting the facts, getting the videos and the movies and the memes out there, which is one of the largest components, probably the silver bullet uh, of everything that's about Donald Trump when it comes to being on social media. And it's turned into like a family situation for you guys. The Dilly 300 right now is what you guys use as kind of your marker for, you know, laying waste to all of the haters and losers across the internet. Where are you guys at now? I saw this week, you guys are having multiple videos shared by Dan Scavino and Donald Trump up until today, actually. Yeah, yeah, they uh, yeah, they had us pinned at the top of his true social page. You guys hear that raspy voice? That's me uh, saying we want it all back. Yep. And then that's my team singing. We got Leah Memes, who is absolutely like in- beyond talented as a singer. She is like jaw droppingly beautiful and an incredible singer and an amazing human being. And then we got Miguel California on yeah. there singing as well. And he's ripping and he's playing his guitar, electric guitar. Then MAGA Devil Dog produced that one. But yeah, it was pinned at the top of President Trump's uh, page. And we've had a dance. Cavino's been tweeting out our stuff. I don't expect that to stop anytime soon. I think it's going to continue to ramp up. Uh, we also were part of the uh, campaign's counter, um, let's say, counter State of the Union address uh, response team on social media, which is how I ended up with this hat. And so did my 26 other team members uh, signed hats. We got the uh, President Trump signed letter thanking me for our work on State of the Union night. But basically, the Dilly 300 is the fans. The Dilly meme team is what we were talking about. We cultivated a team, man, a couple of years ago when everybody was getting nuked off of Twitter. Yeah, uh, I grabbed a couple of the big accounts that knew who I was. I said, put out this telegram room for any memer that needs a place to go because I knew they were having their ability to share their their gift and their their art form uh, removed. They weren't going to have anywhere to put it out because they were being parlor at that point got nuked. Twitter was dumping everybody. There was no true social yet. Gab sucks. And so everyone was going, oh, my God, like this is Armageddon. Where are we going to go? I put out a, a uh, you know, I put that out. I created a room called it the Dilly meme room. And uh, we've went through many iterations of that because it started out with like about 40 people, 50 people. Eventually, we whittled it down. And over the years, we eventually got to where we're at right now. Yep. And we've got a rock solid team. And the thing that's crazy, man, is like these are like pros. These aren't just like some of them are just normal everyday Joes. But some of these people, they're they're I think their expertise in the field of whether it's music or cinema or technology or uh, even animation it's unrivaled. They're the best of the best in the world of memeing. And, uh, and we've, we, you know, they're incredible people. And so we've been working together. Eventually we did get on the radar of team Trump um, because they are so good. We're beyond they're They're beyond where most people are at and they're doing, and we're doing stuff where the old, I think the old way of doing this was take existing video from like a movie, put like a really cheesy head over the top of someone's face and then play some uh, copyrighted music that's going to get you sued. Yep. Now we went through all that. We were like, okay, how do you overcome all this bullshit? You find non-copyrighted uh, video that you can use. You find open source video you can use. We write our own music. We mix our own music. We sing our own music. We do our own voice work. And so we're basically a full-fledged like production team, but in like real time, very fast. Um, and that's why we were asked to, to work on State of the Union night. We ended up, I think Joe had 26 million people that watched his speech. We had almost 2 million people uh, view and, and watch our responses to that speech. And that was just on the night of State of the Union. So we kicked his ass. We owned uh, all of the hashtags and, uh, and you know, proved that it's highly effective, you know, in, and that's having that in your back pocket is it's intimidating. I know a lot of public figures because it, 
if you say something stupid and you attack the wrong team or you're saying some shit about Trump and you the clapback is something that you can't you, how do you counter that? Like I'm going to I'm going to have them make you turn you into a meatball and <laughs> use the Jeb Bush please clap at the close and and what's your counterpoint to that? Don't do that. That's not funny. Don't laugh at me. Like <laughs> so it's really difficult because unless you have that same team of people with that kind of uh humor and in, in in art uh in skill frankly you don't really have a response and so we're able to own a lot of narratives and it's funny because the more if you pay attention to what we put out and then you watch the, you watch the way it germinates and affects these people it's really funny you know you make fun of their shoes they start changing their shoes you make fun of their hair they end up with a haircut and you're like dude this is really funny because look they've been psyoping the people the public for so long but once you figure out that game you're like dude we could do this even better and so that's what we do right now, and every you, day. And you guys can do it all day. I mean, I can't say enough. Listen, for, for everyone out there in our listenership that's hearing Brendan for the first time and getting to know, like, his family and all the stuff they're doing over on his show and, and out for the community and for President Trump, which is essentially the work that they're doing, he says memes. These videos and, and things that these guys put out are, are productions that – I'm not going to lie. Consulting firms would be hired and tens, if not hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars would exchange hands just for one of them. They're putting out sometimes multiple a day, several a week, and they're getting shared by the biggest and best in the business. So you can't give and lend enough credit to the work that you guys are doing and everything that's Thanks, going man. on. No, absolutely. We, we have to say it. Listen, one thing I want to touch with you on, it's yeah. big because it goes into everything that's going on. You've got Ron DeSantis running out his pseudo campaign. Me and you talk about it all the time. We're obviously killing him on social yep. media about it all the time. We had the former chief of staff to the DOD, great friend of our show, Cash Patel, on today. Mm -hmm. We asked him what the most important thing about the MAGA pack that Donald Trump put out a couple weeks ago. It was leaked to the press about, you know, if you're not on board now, you never will be again. Yeah. You won't be welcome Mar-a-Lago, et cetera, included <laughs> in the next administration. You, you definitely champion that talking point. How important <laughs> it is for our listenership to understand anyone that's either being quiet, on the fence, or saying, uh, you know, a 2,400-word tweet and then saying at the end of it, but I'd vote for Donald Trump if he's the nominee, is not good enough anymore no. after what happened yesterday. No way. No, and I, and I rant about this on my show this, today because I can see what the Uniparty did. I figured it out yesterday. It didn't take me very long. Uh, discernment is sort of what God gave me. Sure. Everybody has their gifts. God gave me that. And I looked at that, that, uh, I looked into that equation. I looked into this sphere and I went, I know what they just did. And it is my firm belief that their plan. And, and when I say that I'm talking uniparty, uh, these world economic forum assholes, um, the globalists, I think what the absolute plan was, you can't sell Biden again. And I don't think that's going to be possible, but they're going to they're going to do it. And and you can't sell Democrats again because it's just a dying brand. It's really bad. And you still have to maintain control. And I think that Ron DeSantis was what that's their hedge and they're what they were going to do and what their plan was. And, and it's so obvious. You had them indict President Trump. And at the exact same time, they're indicting President Trump. The state legislature in Florida is is introducing uh, you know, the, the necessary documents to try and get rid of the resign to run law down in Florida. And at the exact same time, DeSantis is in Georgia with Governor Kemp doing a non book tour. My wife was there with with uh, Preston and Tiffany, another employee of mine, and they got kicked out for holding a Trump flag inside of that quote unquote book signing. Mm. There was no book signed, at least when they were there. The books were being given away. 
shirts with DeSantis 2024 were being given away, uh, and he was giving a stump speech, okay? All three of these things happened at the exact same time. That is coordinated. Now the plan is going to be, and this is so important for everybody who's MAGA, they're going to try to psyop you right now and over the next six months into essentially turning your vote to a more sensible candidate. And they're going to tell you, President Trump is under indictment. You're going to waste your vote. He's not going to be there come general election time. And then you're going to hand the White House back to the Democrats. That's going to be the sales pitch from the establishment GOP. And not only that, they're going to be really subversive with it. They're going to actually empathize with Donald Trump's fight. They're going to start saying things to you guys like he needs to focus on his fight, his legal fight. He's being railroaded. I wouldn't be surprised if Team DeSantis isn't going to march out there probably in the next couple of months. And Ron's going to go like this. He's going to say, I didn't want to run for president. Florida, don't be angry at me. But someone has to stop these guys from putting President Trump in prison. Mm -hmm. And I'm that guy. And that's going to be a sales pitch. Don't be mad at me. I didn't want to run. But I'm the only one who can actually get elected. Donald Trump's probably facing jail time. And I'm going to get into the White House. And on day one, I will pardon the former president. It will be part of his sales pitch. And a lot of uh, baby soft Republicans are going to fall for that shit. And I'm telling you, you got to be ready for it because it is. It's you're either to, to me. You've had what? Seven, eight years, 2015. You've had eight years to figure it out. Yep. It's damn near a decade. If you couldn't figure out what Donald Trump is and who he is and what is actually going on in the last decade, you don't need two more years. And I agree with, with Cash Patel. I agree with President Trump's stance. You're on board now or you're never coming back. And I think it's the exact right attitude. Um, this needs to be 2016 on steroids, man. Forget 2020. That shit didn't work. Uh, even with the votes, I believe you won. But it still was. We need a more aggressive, a more in-your-face, unapologetic America first messaging. And it has to be all the way down. Not just President Trump, but all the way down where, and I was telling people today, it, there is no other option. I'm not interested in debating with you about your candidate. I've already made my vote. I just haven't got a chance to submit it yet. Donald Trump's my candidate. If you want to talk about Agenda 47 and his policies, I'm here and I'm open to have that dialogue, but I will not even consider your candidate. So if that doesn't work for you, this is the end of the conversation. And you move on to the next person who is willing to uh, talk to you about Trump. But that's, that's my attitude. Blinders on. No, nobody else exists as far as I'm concerned in the GOP. Oh, and nobody else offers any kind of comprehensive or plausible solutions to the things that are going on in this country right now that Donald Trump hasn't already addressed or, or had on the agenda in his first term in office. I think that's the most important thing. And when, when people are going out and try to disenfranchise everything from his record and his hires all the way up to the fact that 2020 was not a referendum on President Trump, he received over 11 million more votes than he did in 2016. So how could the person who they're saying is the most unpopular president in the history of the galaxy, not Joe Biden, they're dumping it on Donald Trump, have got so many more votes in his re-election campaign so we're on the same page with you there brendan and we really appreciate the fact that you took some time out of your busy schedule you literally jumped from our sh or your show to ours and we broke the ice today which i think is great we'd love to have you back at some point in the near future we'll continue to talk about how we're deconstructing ron DeSantis's non-campaign and, and all things maga we're going to live link your podcast in the show description today where can we find you on social media uh, right now on Twitter at Warlord Dilly. That is Warlord Dilly. That's my uh, Twitter handle. And you can always go to my website, dillyshow.com, and you can find links to watch the show or download it from there. 
uh, but lots of fun stuff on there as well. But yeah, dillyshow.com or Warlord Dilly. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of your guys' work. And uh, really excited about the future and potentially working with you guys. Hey, we're in this fight together, and you've been uh, leading it at the tip of the spear for quite a long time. This is the host of The Daily Show, Brendan Daly. Thanks for joining us on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Damn, that was a big show. That was a big show. The first day in our new America. I think we nailed it. Noah, rate it. <laughs> I'm tired. New America, I give it a three. What about show rating? That's... You know, 11. Oof, I like it. If you if you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you want to hear every other, now over 225 editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Of course, the editor-in-chief of the National Pulse stopped by, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Love when he does that. Equally as much, we love when Mr. Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the Department of Defense, soon-to-be platinum record producer, stops by as well. Sitting down with Brian Lieb and Brendan Dilley for the first time was sure a pleasure. And Congressman Mike Collins, he's running around, touring the J6 jails, standing up to the ATF in Georgia with his dynamic duo of Marjorie Taylor Green, Sir, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules. Everyone, for coming down and helping make steaks great again. Guys, don't forget to go out and support our partners because when you do that, you're helping make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. Listen, guys, Mike Lindell is never going to love early voting and mail-in votes. Or machines. But the man does know how to produce a good night's sleep. You enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to get an experience, immense savings. For instance, MyPillow 2.0 version just dropped. You enter that promo code, buy one, get one free. I gotta get one. They're delectable. My coffee, you enter promo code steak, 25% off, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. I have that, it just doesn't help me sleep. Mm, good point. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, mystore.com forward slash steak, or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the best damn headphones that I've ever owned, endorsed by Mr. Raheem Kassam today on our show, can only be found at Odyssey. If you're doing podcasts, you're in the studio recording music, anything you want to get serious, you got to make the investment. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs! Listen, Noah, I had some man rub barbecue chicken. It was delicious. And you don't want to mistreat your meat. Enter promo code stake here. You're going to get 15% off your order. Manrubs.com is the website. Find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Alan guest hosted with us today. He's also the CEO of My Patriot Cigars. You enter promo code stake here. You're getting 15% off your total order. Every order over 100 bucks, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website. A premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. You enter promo code stake here. You're getting 5 bucks off. You order a 12-pack, they'll make it free shipping. Check out all the great products they've got going on down at FarmerBillsProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, front half of April is taken care of. Christina Bob, one of our great friends, she's had a busy week. She'll be in on Tuesday. Mark Mitchell of Rasmussen Polling will be here as well. It's going to be an excellent episode. And... Jeremy Majewski is going to join us. 
and discuss the recent leaks of uh, servicemen and women's records from the Department of Defense. Should be a heater. Next Friday, Tom Holman, Colonel Douglas McGregor, and country music recording artist to talk about her latest piece that she wrote for townhall.com. Alexis Wilkins will be here. Ambassador Jeffrey Ross Gunter, Trump attorney Alina Habba, and investigative journalist John Solomon will be here on a reschedule on the 11th. The Heritage Foundation's Jake Denton and Cash Patel will be here on the 14th. Jim Nels will be in studio that day. It's going to be great. Opinion editor at Newsweek Josh Hammer and Trump attorney Jesse Benal. They'll be here on the 18th of April. That's all I got for you guys so far. But we've got Max Miller on a reschedule. Troy Nell's coming in hot. Wesley Hunt coming in hot as well. We're going to get with Chad Wolf this month and John Radcliffe. And, of course, Liz Harrington will be here as soon as she uh, answers her text messages and confirms a date. Friends of the Week. Got my list right here, Noah. Fire up the ghost hammer button. Let's see. Of course, our true social Twitch streamer crew... Beastie Man, Siberian Kitten, you guys love Minecraft. We love you and all your friends and all the Steak for Breakfast content you share. Some call me Tim79. Didn't really see you that much this week, bud. Hope everything's well. It is spring break, so we'll give you a pass. From other social medias, Ultra Maga Fran, Ghost Hammer. There you go. Spoopy. William S. JC Wilson said we were the best podcast ever. Nice. Thank you, JC. Matt Jaramillo, Roxana Graham. She was coming in hot this week, too. Meme Team, Lauren Eve. Always great work. Meatball Slayer, Miguel Forma, <laughs> and Leah Memes. Dance Gavino and Donald Trump shared your work. Excellent. Namrock Namrock, Grand Old Memes, Edward Russell, Machiavelli Memes, The Duke of Memes, The Real Meme DeLorean, Dumbass Photoshop, Silent Meme Jordy, That Southern Dude, Mostly Peaceful Memes, and Real Brenda Memes all came in hot this week as well. Go back, rewind that 15 seconds of memeage, follow all those accounts. Guys, thanks for remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. A lot of people didn't know all that committee work was going on this week, but it sure was. You got to do your research on what those guys are up on the hill for. Number two, start a podcast. Yeah, yeah it's a podcast. You're welcome. Nah, it's not too bad. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Brendan Dilly and that whole squad over there, the Dilly meme team, they know what American greatness is all about. You can see it in the form of the amazing videos they put out. We don't talk about American greatness enough. We need to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 226 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back, 227, on Tuesday, Christina Bob, Mark Mitchell, and J.R. Majewski are all going to be here. On behalf of the pod team and Alan, who's recently departed from the show, not life, Mm. I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care. I want to say thank you to the the people in my comments who have taken the brave step to let me know how insensitive it is for me to continue with what's my snack not today not now we don't need humor what we need is awareness more awareness of just how bad things are and that awareness is not going to come with me doing what's my snack today's snack is bronze i'm going to take a moment of silence for the bronze
In the arms of the angels, fly away.